7.613 seconds. Unloading jaw. Can't OK. Enter. Sound. Everybody, it is Saturday night, February the 11th, year 2012. I'm Wong Hughes, and Patricia and I will be having a wonderful special guest to kick off the show tonight. The one, the only, the talented, the adorable Janet Waldo will be our special guest. And you're going to be able to talk to her. Phone lines will be open at 714-545-2071. But first, I pray. Dear Lord, thank you for our blessings today, of having a good Spurvac meeting. Thank you for our friends, our families, our loved ones. Thank you for having the opportunity of doing your will. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to go get Patricia and Janet on the line. So here's a little bit of the show that Janet's known for. Mmm, good. Mmm, good. That's what Campbell's soups are. Mmm, good. Campbell's soups invite you to meet Corliss Archer, starring Janet Waldo. Hello, Corliss. You seem on top of the world. Oh, I am, Mr. Sharvet. On account of those perfectly divine clothes. Clothes? Mm-hmm. What clothes? My back-to-school wardrobe, of course. Oh. Mom took me shopping yesterday, and we got the most precious things. There was one little green dress with cap sleeves and all studded with gold nail heads, and a luscious corduroy suit, and a new raspberry sweater, and, of course, the best thing of all was a soup. Uh, yeah, a uh, soup? Mm-hmm. Well, what on earth is soup doing in the middle of your wardrobe? Oh, Mr. Sharvet, you're so diverging, honestly. It wasn't in the middle of my wardrobe. It was afterwards. After we'd been shopping, I mean. Oh, I see. It was Louise's day out, and Mum had to get Daddy's dinner, and she wanted it to be something he specially likes. And that Oh, whoa there, Corliss. Let me guess. Campbell's chicken noodle soup, hmm? Mr. Sharbert, you are positively psychic. Yes, Campbell's chicken noodle soup. That soup is so good, it makes a main dish that's simply terrific and ready in a jiff. Oh, my goodness, that's poetry. Well, not only that, Corliss, it's true. There's no main dish that's more tempting or quicker to fix than Campbell's chicken noodle soup. You're so right, Mr. Charvet. Bye now. This morning, on her way to breakfast, Corliss stops by in the kitchen for a few words with Louise. About time you showed up, young lady. You're late again. Father and mother are halfway through their breakfast. Oh, Daddy won't mind, Louise. I mean, look at the beautiful flower I picked for his lapel. Mm-hmm. Oh, golly, 
Golly, Louise, those hotcakes smell absolutely divine. Uh-huh. Louise, darling, whenever I have to face a crisis, I've always been able to turn to you, haven't I? Listen, young lady, I diapered you, and that tone of voice always means you want to borrow money. But I always pay it back. You're not going to pay it back this time. Well, why do you say that, Louise? Because I'm not going to lend you any, that's why. But, Louise... Listen, Corliss, both your mother and father told me not... Quiet, I don't want them to hear. I'll bet you don't. But, Louise, you don't understand. It's for the anniversary present. I, I saw something at Benson's that's absolutely out of this world that I want to get him. Only I, I don't have... Oh, All right, Angel, I'm coming. Hello, Mom. Good morning, Daddy. Morning. Look at this simply gorgeous flower I picked for you, Daddy. Hmm. Now, Corliss, you're late again. Sit down and eat your breakfast. Okay, Mom, but first let me fix it in Daddy's buttonhole. There. Doesn't he look sensational? I mean, golly, I think men with buttonholes look so prosperous. Don't you, Daddy? My child, so far as you are concerned, prosperity is still around the corner, if that's what you're driving at. Oh, Daddy, you're terrible. Just because I see how nice you look, is that any reason to think I'm hitting for money? Well, it often has been in the past. Well, don't worry, Daddy. As a matter of fact, I do need money in the worst way, but I'm not going to borrow it. I'm going to earn it. You're splendid. Daddy, may I have the classified section of the paper, please? Sure. Help yourself. I'm going to look right now under help wanted, and I'm going to work practically immediately. Well, you better eat your breakfast first, dear. Daddy, listen. Would you let me take this job? Oh, golly, this sounds terrific. What is it? Wanted. Young girl with beautiful feet to demonstrate toenail polish in department store window. <laughs> Excellent pay. Apply Benson's cosmetic department. Too bad, Corliss. Now, if only you had beautiful feet, there'd be a job with a future. But, Daddy, you said yourself my feet were just like Mom's. And you know that she's got the most beautiful feet in the world. <laughs> she's got you there, Harry. <laughs> oh, no, she hasn't. You do have beautiful feet, Janet. And if you wish to apply for the job, I'll raise no objections. <clears throat> Corliss is too young. But, Daddy... Darling, don't be silly. We wouldn't dream of letting you sit in the window of Benson's demonstrating toenail polish. But, Mom, why not? I could wear a black mask or something, and then I bet crowds would gather and wonder who I was. Yes, and Dexter would be in that crowd saying, Holy cow, look at Corliss's feet! <laughs> None of us would ever be able to hold our heads up again. Oh, well, I'll look for other jobs. Oh, golly, Daddy, how about this one? Wanted immediately. Attractive car hops. Good salary and excellent tips. Oh, Daddy, would you let me be a car hop? In a word, no. Corliss, dear, we've been through all this. You are not going to take a job. You've got a great deal of homework to do during vacation to make up for your poor grades, so just forget all about it. But, Mom, you don't realize it is absolutely imperative that I should get a good, steady-paying job. You mean imperative. And how, Daddy? Corliss! Oh, Corliss! What is it, Dexter? Everybody. Hello, Dexter. Good morning, Dexter. Gee, where's what you take a long time to eat? Holy cow. Corliss, do you still crave a steady, well-paying job? Well, of course, Daddy. Are you going to let her go to work, Mr. Archer? Oh, shut up, Dexter. Uh, what did you have in mind, Daddy? Would you like to earn $50, Corliss? Golly. 50 bucks. Holy cow. Shut up, Dexter. Um, what would I have to do, Daddy? I will pay you the sum of $50, Corliss, if you can wean Dexter permanently from his favorite deity, that eternal holy cow. <laughs> huh? 
and I'll add a bonus of $25 if you'll expurgate the hers. Holy cow, what's wrong with her? Huh? <laughs> So you see, Dexter, how absolutely vital it is for me to have at least seven fifty. Well, it's no use looking at me. I'm so broke, it's brutal. Oh, look, Dexter, look at that baby in the playpen across the street where the new people moved in yesterday. Oh, isn't that the most heavenly baby? Let's go and play with it. You're crazy. I wouldn't be seen dead playing with a baby. Dexter Franklin, I certainly hope you change your mind before you have a baby of your own. I'm going over to play with it. Okay. Let me know when you're through. Oh. Hello, honey. What's your name, huh? Oh, aren't you just too cute for words? Goosey, goosey, goosey. Oh, precious little lamb are you. Oh, you're... You're so sweet. You're trying so hard to talk to me, aren't you? Oh, and I'll bet this is your mummy coming. Uh, good morning. I-, I hope you don't mind my playing with your baby. What's her name? It's a good thing Conrad isn't old enough to understand what you're saying, or you'd be furious, wouldn't you, Conrad? Oh, how silly of me. I should have known by the shape of his head that he was all boy. Oh, he's beautiful. I just adore children. You live here in the neighborhood? Oh, yes. Oh, I I'm just... so glad. You know, we just moved in. I haven't a thing settled yet, and we don't know a soul in this part of town. Of course, eventually, I intend to get someone in to help me with little Conrad, but you know what that problem is today. Oh, yes. It's I've... so hard to find just the right person, even for a sitter. Of course, I wouldn't trust Conrad with just anyone. I'd have to be sure that it was someone who really loved children, like yourself, for instance. Anyone can see that you... Oh, why, thank you, Mrs. Uh, Barnett. Oh, yes, of course, Mrs. Barnett. We heard you were moving in. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not the kind of a mother who's always running out. Uh, but I'm just about at my wit's end about tonight. Tonight? Oh, yes. Could you stay with the baby tonight? You see, Why, it's I, my sister's I, birthday, I, I, and she'd I, never forgive my husband and me if we didn't come. Oh. I was just going to call her and tell her that I don't know how we could make it, but I watched you with Conrad, and right away I knew you were just the kind of a girl I wanted for a sitter. Oh, golly, that's awfully nice of you, Mrs. Barnett, tonight. Yes. Now, I understand it's customary to pay 50 cents an hour. Is that all right with you? Oh, that's just fine. I'd be glad to sit with him any night, all night long. Oh, that won't be necessary. We won't be out very late tonight. Are you sure it's all right with your parents? My parents? Oh, sure. They never object to anything I do. Harry, how about some more pie? No, thanks, Janet. It's nearly 7.30, and if we're going to play bridge with the Ameses, let's shove off. All right, dear, but Corliss hasn't finished your dessert yet. Why the rush? Oh, it's okay, Mom. Dex, you'll keep me company, won't you, Dex? Well, did I? The sooner we get started, Janet, the earlier we can break up. Well, now, Harry, we can't rush away too early. Oh, yes, we can. I have to be up at the crack of dawn, and I want to be in bed at the driveway. Good night, baby. Good night. Good night, Dexter. Good night, Miss Roger. And Corliss, don't forget you not to go to the movies tonight. You go to bed early. Okay, Mom. Good night, darling. Good night, Dexter. Good night, Miss Roger. Oh, now that they've gone, Dexter, I can tell oh, you a secret. Oh, I, I think we should not hold the public any photo. Oh, oh, that was so real. I almost wanted to say, hey, hi, Sammy. Hi, Irene. <laughs> I love those people. That They were my family. Uh, Patricia, you want to introduce our special guest. 
I would love to, and we're going to talk about that as well. This is kind of a long introduction because our very special guest has a wonderful career to talk about. We've got movies, theater, television, radio in all genres, and I'm looking at heavy drama to ultralight comedy, a voice artist, which is wonderful. You may know her as Corliss Archer from Meet Corliss Archer, which we were just listening to. You were Emmy Lou, the swooning teenager in The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. Am I correct on that one? Yes. Penelope, Penelope Pitstop in Wacky Races. Yes. Josie from Josie and the Pussycats. Right. And Judy Jetson from The Jetsons. We all know her, however, as Janet Waldo. Hello, Janet. Hello. Happy birthday. Your birthday was February 4th. That's right. You noticed it was very hard for me to keep quiet while you were talking. <laughs> it's always very hard for me to keep quiet. But I I so loved hearing those voices, and I love that those people, they were my family. You know, Carlos was on and off for t 10 years. And I so have some... I have some dates down here that are, they just blew me away. I did not realize that the uh, life of the show was so extensive. It was. It was. And thanks to F. Hugh Herbert, who created the show, and thank you, Mr. Herbert, had me play Corliss. That was a joy to me, and it really started my radio career, although I had done a few things in radio before that, but that really you know, put me on the landing, <laughs> the takeoff strip. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions in a little bit to talk about that extraordinary range. I mean, it just, I even found your name associated with Adventures in Odyssey, the family show. Can you believe it? Can you believe that? And I uh, I work with Alan Young. Do you remember him? Yeah, everybody remembers Alan and, Young. And, sure. uh, I'm amazed at the fan following that show has. Uh, it's amazing, but I, I I do it and then I don't do it for a while. I just uh -huh. did one the other day, but sometimes I go a year or two not and doing you have, it. You have a recurring character in that. Yes. Janet, would you give just a little thumbnail sketch about what Adventures in Odyssey is and your role in that show? I would be delighted. I uh, play the part of Joanne, and I have, in the last few years married Alan <laughs> and, and we are husband and wife in the series and we run an art shop and um, the show is very much like old radio I mean it's you hardly know that you've stepped away from old radio it's just great they use very good people in the cast and it's a joy to do and I'm doing another one I think on the 7th of April oh great now, this is a very, I don't know how you can be very family-oriented, but the emphasis is really on family-quality performances. Very, very much so. The people are very uh, kind and dear and real, and they uh, believe in uh, family strength and family unity, and they, that's what they stress in the show. I don't want to miss an opportunity. We'll have you here for breakfast, Janet, but where can people listen to Adventures in Odyssey? Well, you know, that's always been bewildering to me. They're never heard in Los Angeles. I've never heard them here, and in fact, the only times I've heard them is when fans send me copies. I don't so, know where they're heard. They're heard all over the country, but never in, in California. Never in your ears. Well, no. That's my homework. I'll have to find If you find out, let me know. <laughs> then I'll let you know about it. For our listeners, our Saturday Night family, and boy, do we have a gang, 
Um, we have a live show tonight, so you are invited to call Janet to say hi, to ask a question, to say thank you for giving us so much fun throughout our lives. 714-545-2071. Did I get that right? Mike? And you got And we have a caller. Hello, caller. You're on, on the air with Janet Waldo. You know, I can hardly wait to say hello to Janet Waldo because I want her to know that when she was on Meet Carlos Archer, <clears throat> I was always jealous that I didn't play the part of Dexter. <laughs> you would have been good, too, I'm not. I, I would have been. I would have been. I would have been just as good as Dexter. I could say, holy cow. <laughs> and I, I would have been. And you, you've been my, I was a, you, you were my teenage crush. Oh, I'm, I'm so delighted because I worry that people might not remember radio and Corliss Archer since cartoons have come into being, and I, I'm thrilled that you remember it and liked it. And then, when you were on Ozzy and Harriet and played Emmy Lou, I wish I was Ozzy. But I mean, every, every, every time you performed, I, I had this sensation, oh my gosh, I wish I could have been the other... <laughs> oh, that I love doing. But since I got you on the phone, I won't take up too much of everybody's time because I know that you're so popular that I wouldn't want to. Oh, well, I'm loving. But I would like to play for you something. I'm a, I'm a pianist by profession. Oh, this is Ron from Hawaii, Janet. Oh, is he from Hawaii? Yeah. Oh my. From Hawaii and. Oh. and I want you to know that everybody, when I was called to play for a special job tonight, I said I am booked. I cannot leave my um, internet radio because I am got to say hello to Janet Waldo. I'm so honored. <laughs> oh, hang on one second, okay? Here we go. All right, Ron. Here we go. Live from Hawaii. your piano playing. You're wonderful. And listen, um, we have Odyssey in Hawaii, that program in Hawaii. Uh, we, what, we get to hear it. Um, I never really listen to it, but it's, it's on our, our radio station in, in Honolulu. So. Well, I have not been on Odyssey for a while, but they put me back on recently, and I'm just doing a new, a new few shows uh, with Alan Young. Remember Alan Young? Yeah, uh-huh. Have you ever been to Hawaii? Oh, you brought up my favorite subject. I went to Hawaii on my honeymoon. 
and I will never forget Hawaii, and I will remember, do, do I have time, Walden? To you tell, bet. tell the whole story. Well, the story is that Bob and I, my husband Bob Lee, who was uh, a writer and a brilliant, brilliant man, and but we were very young, and we, he took me to Hawaii on my on our wedding uh, anniversary, I mean, on, you know, celebrating our wedding, and we gentlemen, it was very quiet. We stayed at the Royal Hawaiian Hotel. You know where that is. Yep. And uh, there was a gentleman there who was something to do with a baseball team or something. He owned it, I think. And he, he sort of took to us because we were very young and a newly married couple, and he offered us a piece of property in Ohio. <laughs> I mean, in Hawaii, which I, I you know, a property. And I said, oh, well, uh, we, that's so sweet of you, but we never will come to Hawaii again. This will be, you know, how, do, how would we ever get to Hawaii again? And I turned it down. <laughs> Is that what I'd call stupid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. no I'm but he was a very nice gentleman, and I've often thought about him and thought, he must have thought, this kid is really... <laughs> and you never been back ever since? Oh, yes. I went back one time. I have two children, and my husband and I took our children back to Hawaii. And um, I have friends in Hawaii, and I love, I love Hawaii. I would love to live in Hawaii. So you're a very lucky guy. That you when do you think you'll ever come back? Oh, anybody invites me, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I might. Never, if you ever come to Hawaii... And uh, Walden will let you know how to find me, okay? Well, I would uh, love that because, you know, guess what? I don't know too many people in Hawaii. But I will make sure that I, I want, see, Walden and I have something in common. We're both visually impaired. Oh. They're looking at Walden, okay? <laughs> Walden, I got to tell you, you'd never know it with him. I've, I've seen him standing up in front of an audience and giving a 30-minute lecture without a note. You know, everybody else reads everything, and he just does it. He's brilliant, and he's a very, very talented guy. Uh, I got, well, I will say this. Yeah, he must be brilliant, but see, he always makes me jealous because he always tells me about all his great conventions that he goes to and he gets to sit with Janet Waldo and Aww. McMillan and I, I'm sitting chopping at the bit because I, I wish I could have been Walden and <laughs> you could have sat yep. next to me at dinner and, and see, but he's smart see, he always he always knows how to ruffle my feathers you know? <laughs> <laughs> well I think you must be very good friends and I we are but when he when he told me that you were going to be a guest on his show I said I got to make sure that I get to meet you on a telephone so, so that you can feel my charm. <laughs> I got it. I, I, I feel it already. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I, I go to Hawaii. Anyway, it was so nice talking with you. It, it was you lovely. Made my day. I, I, I've always um, had a crush on Janet Waldo. Oh, <clears throat> that's and Now I, I feel that my... My life has been complete. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been a great bonus to my life, too. Thank you for calling. My, I always remember my name is Ron. Now, how do you, how do, can you still say that high voice when you, when you got excited? Um, you mean, mention my name, okay? My oh, name Mr. is Ron. And, oh, hi, Mr. Nelson. Have you heard the news? 
There you go. Uh, close enough. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Thank you, Ron. Bye, Ron. Aloha. Aloha. All right, there's Ron, and you can join us in the conversation tonight. She hadn't heard her birthday last week. That's why Ron played Happy Birthday. And you can call in and say hello to the lovely, talented Janet Waldo at 714-545-2071. That's 714-545-2071. Thank you, Walden. I transposed the numbers one night, Janet, and some poor soul is probably getting calls at 2 o'clock in the morning now. Oh. Oh. No, you, you just don't do that. <laughs> Janet, do you have any idea how many performances you have done throughout your career? Everything from radio and television to voiceover? Uh, I, I will tell you, I was thinking about it the other day because I've been in the business a long time and radio was my first real love, although I, you all know, I'm sure, that I was brought to California by Bing Crosby. Do you know that? I did. I have that in my notes and I want well, you to talk I won't, about Well, I that. won't talk about it until you do that. <laughs> but I, uh, I was terrified of pic- pictures, although I did several, but I was terrified because I, and I loved radio. The minute I walked into a radio studio, I thought, oh, I'm home. You know, I just love radio and the people in radio and all of the actors who worked in radio will do anything to perform in radio again because we all just love that period of our, t- of our lives. Janet, how old were you when you were introduced to a radio studio for the first time? For the first time? I was about 12, and that's when I was going to school in Seattle, and uh, we, I was always in the drama um, class, you know, and because I've taken drama since the time I was in the first grade, and uh, the studio, KOMO in Seattle, invited our class to come and, and see their radio station. And they showed us the radio station, and then he said, listen, you girls and boys, I have um, a little script here. Would you like to audition for it, and I'll give the part to one of you. Well, they gave it to us, and I won it. And my first job in this world was on KOMO in Seattle, and my Social Security still says flower on it. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, you know, from that job, from my first professional job ever was in Seattle at 12. Isn't that wonderful? What was the role you played? I, well, it was just an audition. It was just a, a little character. Actually, it was a it was a character, as I recall, uh, where I was playing a, a fat and forty lady. <laughs> we were always doing characters as kids, and um, and I won it. I don't know why, but I did. And We know. <laughs> but I always loved radio. And then when I came to California and discovered radio and was so blessed by getting to work in so many radio shows, I, um, I felt really at home. <laughs> Tell us about your encounter with Bing Crosby. Well, actually, what happened with Bing Crosby... Uh, I, was, I did a lot of little theater in Seattle as a young girl, and uh, I loved, I always loved drama, and uh, in the school, you know, there were performances, and Bing Crosby was going on a talent hunt, uh, and he had talent scouts with him, and they covered the schools, and they chose some people that they wanted to enter a talent contest, and I said to my sister, oh, I'm not going to go and enter a contest, and she said, 
oh, yes, you are. <laughs> and I did, and I won it. And then uh, the, the prize was that they would bring me and my mother to California for three months, and I could be under contract to uh, Paramount Pictures for three months. And I got to tell you, I never went home. I never went back to Seattle because I discovered radio very, very early in my time in Hollywood. Wow. Three months. That's a long time. Three months under contract. Well, it was a stock contract. I was very uh, inhibited in pictures because all of the girls were so gorgeous until I discovered that none of them had had any acting experience. <laughs> and that gave me courage. And then uh, they had a, 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 a director on on the lot who was would work with all of us. And then I commenced to get parts and pictures, little bit parts and pictures with Fred McMurray and, uh, you know, all of the people at Paramount at that time and gained confidence. But I, I still found radio much more freeing because you didn't have to worry about the camera. <laughs> yeah. But um, I enjoyed pictures. And, in fact, uh, I did continue doing some pictures throughout my career. Uh, when I got the invitation to audition for Judy Jetson, I was working on a series with Tony Franciosa called Valentine's Day, a, a, a series in, in film. Mm -hmm. But anyway, back to, to the beginning. <laughs> you asked me, um, what did you ask me, Patricia? I, I asked you exactly what you answered. Tell me about your encounter with Bing Crosby and oh, how well, that got I, you back to California. That's very important. I want to say that Bing, Bing Crosby was very, very shy, and so was I. And I didn't know how to talk to him, and I didn't know how to, you know, but I, and I wanted to thank him, and it embarrassed him to be thanked. You know, very, very modest man. But he invited me to his radio show that he was doing at that time, and that's when I really fell in love with radio. I thought, oh, they're reading it from a script. You don't have to learn the lines. That's great. <laughs> so, uh, but he was wonderful to me and uh, indulgent of me, and I played bits in, in, that he arranged for me to do, many, many little bits and pictures. Exciting. If I when I say the name Bing Crosby, what are the first three words or descriptions that come into your head? Uh, well, first of all, I have a picture of him in my bedroom, and on it he is inscribed to Janet, the Seattle Flash. Wow. And I, I think of him as being kind, and talented, and very, very shy and very hard to talk to, especially my being as shy as I was. He, um, he got embarrassed when I thanked him. But I remember on, being on the set with him one time, and he knew that I was pretty nervous, and he said, Janet, hold your hand out, and is it trembling? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, well, listen, it's not so hard to do pictures. Relax. <laughs> but he was very, very sweet to me, but, but not, um, you know, not easy to talk to. Yeah. And uh, a lovely man. And, in fact, can I tell you a little teeny story? Am Please I taking do. too much time? No. You, oh, my goodness. You no, we're going to have breakfast. But, you know, when I was doing Meet Corliss Archer, I have two stories to tell you about Bing. When I was doing Meet Corliss Archer, we very often would have a guest star on the show, and we had Bob Crosby one time as our guest. Uh -huh. And in those days, we did one show for the East Coast and one show for the West Coast. And 
when we did it for the East Coast, Bob Crosby forgot, you know, it was all live, it was not taped. Bob Crosby forgot to come back. <laughs> and we were getting closer and closer to airtime, and uh, the director was going crazy. He said, where's Bob Crosby? We're going to go on the air. And they went out in the hall and flagged down Gil Stratton. Do you remember Gil Stratton? Sure do. And he came in and played the, the Bob Crosby role, and you know, I don't think the audience knew the difference. <laughs> But then the Bing Crosby story, um, let's see, what can I tell about him? Oh, I, I worked with him a lot, and um, he, I did a show with him in San Francisco where Ozzie Nelson knew that I was going to go to uh, San Francisco to work with, with Bing, and he said, listen, um, and I said, Bing wants me to do the squeal on his show, <laughs> and he said, uh, and Ozzie teased me a lot, and I was very young and very gullible. And I said, he said, you can't do the squeal unless you give Ozzie Nelson credit. So I believed him. You know, he was just teasing me. And then I said to Bing, uh, Bing, you know, Ozzie wants me to give him credit for the squeal from his show. And uh, he says, he, he, wa he, wants, he wants what? <laughs> but then at the end of the show, he did give Ozzie Nelson credit. And he uh, also said, and... Um, Dennis Day was here by the courtesy of so-and-so, and, you know, he made a joke of it. He went down the whole line. Oh, that's cute. Can you do the squeal now? No. <laughs> really? Well, I can, but I, I got to tell you, I have to be revved up. Oh, I know what story I want to tell you about Bing was on Ozzie and Harriet. Um, Bing was a guest on Ozzie and Harriet, and... Um, and the boys were, they didn't use their own boys. Ozzie and Harriet used little actors. Right. And I was so excited because I had to come in and say, Ozzie, I mean, Mr. Nelson, Mr. Nelson, do you realize that Bing Crosby is in town? And I had to get all excited and tell him about it. And uh, he didn't believe me. And he hmm. just said, oh, you're just, you know, making it up. But I did the show and it went very, very well. And then David and Ricky Nelson who were about the same age as Bing's children, uh, said, hey, Pop, Bing's using his kids. Why don't you use us? So from that point on, Ozzie Nelson used his own children, influenced by Bing Crosby. <laughs> I remember hearing that show, Janet. Wasn't that a good show? It was a great show, and I want you to know that you just sounded like young Ricky. I did? Hey, Pop, yes. Yeah. Oh, I love those boys, and I love their parents, and I feel so close to them even now. Tell me about them as a family, Janet. Well, you see, I loved them as a family. They lived very close to me, and they invited me to parties at their house, and they were wonderful parents. Ozzie and Harriet adored those kids, those boys. And uh, David just died, you know, which broke my heart. Yes. And he was he was very, very down-to-earth and very real. But Ricky got a little messed up because he, very young he became a big, big star. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a very sad thing for them. But people used to call me and ask me to contribute to stories about Ozzie and, and Harriet, and they always wanted to know bad stories, which I did not know. And I called Harriet and said, do you think I should talk to these people? And she said, no, because they will just distort everything you say. Yeah. It was a loving family. They adored each other. And um, uh, I, I just had a tragic life with Ricky's 
this, and and uh, it just breaks my heart to even think of it because they were wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah. You're on the air, caller with Janet Waldo. Here I am. Walden. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, it's Dan. How are you doing? Hi, Dan from Indiana. You're on with Janet Waldo. Hi, Dan oh. from Indiana. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, just fine. It's cold here. Ooh. <laughs> Winter. I wanted to let you know I've been a fan of yours uh, since uh, seeing you as Judy Jetson on the cartoons. Oh, and um, I wanted to know if you had played with uh, Frank Cady on Elsie and Harriet. Oh, Frank Cady? Yes. Oh, what did it? What part did he play? I don't quite remember the name. He later played. I thought he played Doc on uh, Ozzy and Harriet. Oh, well. He later went on to play Sam Drucker on Petticoat Junction. Oh, oh, I think you're. Th I bet you're thinking of Petticoat Junction. Okay. Yes. Um, and Petticoat Junction. I did one Petticoat Junction, but I, I didn't know him very well. Um, and actually, I don't, I don't recall even having met him. But I know he's, a, he's a very talented guy, right? Yes, I believe he's still with us in uh, Oregon. And uh, and you played with B then on Petticoat Junction. Had you played with her in radio? Oh, yeah, many, many times. Do you want to hear a story about B? Oh, absolutely. Uh, do I have time, Walden? You bet. You have all night, Janet. Oh, stop me if I'm doing this too much. But I, I was doing a series for my husband, actually, called Young Love. I was doing it with Jimmy Lydon. And... Um, I was uh, uh, there was a silly thing in the in the script about a, a western lady played by B. Benaderet, and she had to say, and she had to come and meet the print. We were college students, and she wanted to come and talk to the college professor, and um, she was very brash, and you know, B. could do anything, and I mean, she's she was very hillbilly talking, you know, and she'd say, yippee, yippee, you know, and, and uh, so she, he invited her to come to his office, and she went, yippee, yippee, and he, he, he said, don't yippee in my office. <laughs> <laughs> she, she had to <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, Patricia? Yes? If you check your email, I sent a link, I believe, to the uh, uh, Adventures in Odyssey. Oh, excellent. Yes. Apparently, you can go on and download those to your computer. Okay, and I will send them out to uh, to Janet. Wow! I, I'm so happy to hear that you get Odyssey there and that you love it and, and our, our listeners. I haven't listened to it yet, but I will now because uh, uh, I also enjoy uh, Alan Young, and uh, now that I know that you're on there, I'll be sure to tune in. Oh, gosh, well, it's a very family-oriented show, very sweet and very pure, and, and just just lovely. All right. Well, you have a good evening now. You too, and thank you so much for calling in, and I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. Well, you have a very good evening. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Bye-bye. And there's Dan from Indiana. You can call in and talk to Janet Waldo at 714-545. Two zero seven one. That's seven one four five four five two zero seven one. We have our very own Corliss Archer here. Just in case you missed it, we're talking with Janet Waldo, who had a birthday recently. Happy birthday, Janet. And Thank I'm so you. glad Thank you're you. spending it with us. You are listening to Corliss Archer. And we got another call. Oh, okay. Hello there. You're on the air with Janet Waldo. 
Yeah, hi, Jen. Hi. I'm Michael Spack from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Let's oh, wow. Hi, hi, Michael. Oh, I love Philadelphia because my husband was a playwright, and all of his shows tried out in Philadelphia. All right. <laughs> well, we, this is a big theater town. Yeah. We're uh, live theater, and also a lot of the movie theaters have closed down. The uh, the ones that were used to be in Center City probably where a lot of his plays had uh, had uh, been on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's, there's all the other theaters around now, the multi-theaters. But I wanted to tell you just a little incident about the Me Cordless Archer, and I can remember as a, as a kid. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> in Philadelphia, we had the... And this will show you how vivid the, the memory is, because I always remember we listened to your program, like, as a concept, because I was approximately uh, oh, years old at that time. And that was, like, a part of our family theater was to, to listen to your program, because it was, you know, such a, such a great show. It was funny as a, as a child listening to it, and uh, your adventures in there. And also, too, but... Uh, I used to remember. First of all, the opening was was always great because it was, I believe, it was Electric Company. We go uh, go upstairs and the thing would go boom, 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 and then go downstairs, boom, 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 go upstairs, boom, and then downstairs. But it was just a, just a clever opening, which I think led into your program, and uh, uh, that right. brought that I, off. But I remember coming home and going by the Philadelphia Zoo one time when your program was on and just listening to it. And for some reason, it's just a vivid, vivid memory of that. And uh, when I heard that you were going to be on tonight, I said, well, I have to just hang in there. Uh, we used to have your comic books, too. And I, I didn't know, if, did you ever get any royalties on your comic books? No, no, I'm very honored by those comic books, but I had nothing to do with them. Okay. Well, that was all but part I of growing up during the uh, 40s and 50s. And uh, I just thought that was great. I wanted to say hello also to Patricia. How are you? Hello, Michael. You too, Waldo. How you been? Everything's good. Thank you so much. That's terrific, and it's such a pleasure. And I enjoy you. You keep saying, you know, you have enough time. We're enjoying listening to all your stories because you probably have 101 uh, different stories that you can tell, and they're, they're just very fascinating, especially that. I've been, I was in radio for 40 years working uh, in local Philadelphia radio. Really? But, of course, uh, when I was there, there uh, you know, all the um, old-time radio programs had been off the air. This is all modern uh, you know, uh, programs that I had been on with uh, just doing uh, music, but I had been involved with radio, and part of that was growing off with my love of listening to radio as a, as a child and growing There's up. There's nothing uh, like radio, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was, like as you had mentioned a couple times, that radio in itself was such a great medium, and I always felt that for myself. Even today, I mean, there's such a Wonderful demand for, for all the, the shows, and I'm, I'm so thrilled that they are still around for people to enjoy, I think. Oh, I am and, too, but you know, the actors that were in radio when I was in radio were very often from the theater, and they were really great actors, you know. They are, and if people would just sit there and listening to the way, and it, 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 I being in the radio myself as, as just a, uh, you know, a little, little minuscule thing. I listen to the actors sometimes and it's, it's so hard to just grab a, a script and to embellish what you're having to say or, you know, to, to, to act. And a lot, especially I love the, uh, the mystery programs and you hear the actors, you know, getting old, like you were saying, you had to work yourself up in order to get to that role. Well, you know, with them screaming and carrying on or, or being angry 
or uh, sad or whatever it is. It, it's it's such a great. It was it was a really a wonderful thing for them to, to do. You know, you know, a lot of people made their living on it, and uh, you can hear them also a lot of times. Some of the actors being repeated uh, once you get to know their voices, and and uh, that's part of the uh, interest in getting to know the people. We can hear them ahead of time and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's William Conrad over there. He's playing." Oh another. yeah. Well, he, he worked a lot in Red Radio. With him a lot. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, oh, another thing is you were talking about Alan Young. Uh, I always loved Alan Young because at the very beginning of radio, uh, TV, he also had a, a television program that was sponsored by S.O. Gasoline. So I've always bought S.O. Gasoline. Oh, I'm going to have to tell him that. Even call him right after this call. <laughs> after uh, uh, last night, I went out and bought my, I filled up my car with gas again, and it was S.O. Gasoline. So I always liked that. But I'm, uh, I'm a member of the Laurel and Hardy fan club here in Philadelphia. And uh, a few years back, we had Alan there. And as you had mentioned, he's such a lovely, lovely individual. And he's my neighbor. And uh, we were so thrilled about all that because, I, I, first of all, I loved his, his television show as we were growing up. Uh, this was when he did his own comedy, uh, not a sitcom, but just a, a regular comedy program that was in the early 50s. And uh, But like I said, he was such a, a wonderful and gentle man. And he was there with his, uh, his wife. And I have his autographs on that, too, so it was, like, nice. But we uh, always, like, try to uh, bring some people out. So I hope you're going to come to Philadelphia sometime, and I'd love to catch up with you. Well, I have to tell you that my husband tries out his plays in Philadelphia, and do you, are you familiar with Mame and Anti-Mame? Absolutely. Well, he, yeah. wrote, he co-wrote those shows. Oh, my gosh. And he also co-wrote Inherit the Wind uh, with, uh, with his writing partner. And uh, all the shows that they've written together, they have tried out in Philadelphia. <laughs> well, it's amazing. Now, they, the, the movie versions were just on, both of them were just on recently on uh, Turner Classic in the last couple of weeks. So uh, I was hoping that maybe you had a chance to, uh, to get a chance to see them again or, uh, you know, if the, uh, ball, she... they're visible for you. But uh, it was amazing that both of them had, had showed up here in the last few weeks. Losing. So that's very interesting. Well, I'll leave this go. And uh, look, uh, congratulations. And uh, thank you very, very much for all the years that you've given us in, in broadcasting and then also now to your TV work. And also your film work, and uh, we appreciate it. And thank you, Patricia, and thank you, Waldo. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for having such a wonderful and great show, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. And there's, my, there's Michael from Philadelphia, 714-545-2071. Anna, you said uh, just a minute ago that you live next door to Scrooge McDuck. Uh, Alan Young? Alan Young is sure. Yes. Oh yeah, and he's a sweetheart, and I I uh, have worked with him many times. Uh, we did a series called um, uh, Battle of the Planets. Does that uh -huh. ring? And we did eighty five of those, and we worked together on the on that show. And wow. Uh, uh, it was, and he's just a lovely person. I enjoy him so much, and we still work together. We're working together in April on uh, uh, the family show. Mm-hmm. He does work for Disney. Have you and he ever done work together at Disney? Mm, well, wait a minute. I, I did one thing at Disney, but I was mostly a Hanna-Barbera girl, and everything that I did. there, including Penelope Pitstop on the Perils of Penelope Pitstop, and Josie and the Josie and the Pussycats, uh -huh. and uh, Granny Sweet, a little old lady on a motorbike, 
And uh, let's see, I did, well, I did about 13. I had series going there all the time. Oh, one that they never play anymore is Jack and the Beanstalk with Gene Kelly. And I can't figure out why that isn't played a lot. And I think it's because I think his wife doesn't like his things played. <laughs> well, you know, it's true. She doesn't, you notice that you don't get to hear much Gene Kelly anymore. No. And that makes me so sad because it was a cute show. Jack and the Beanstalk, and I played the princess. <laughs> oh, my. Well, we need to start a movement to get that back on. Oh, do try, because it's oh. a cute show. And, and, you know, another show that isn't shown, and Warner's is trying to get it out there, is uh, Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it hasn't been shown is because it had all-star cast. Sammy Davis Jr., Zsa Zsa Gabor, Hedda Hopper, uh, uh, and... Uh, many, many very famous people on it, and it's a wonderful show, Sammy Davis Jr., and it's musical, and uh, it just breaks my heart that it's not out there, but they say it's hard to get the rights, you know, oh. I, I don't know what, what happens. Oh, dear. Isn't but, that sad? You've got such a wonderful piece of artistic work. It is And it sad. has to sit fallow because of the details that are associated with it. How sad. I agree. How sad. Janet, when you were Corliss Archer, we were in the 1940s and then into the 1950s, correct? Yes. It okay. was on for 10 years. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How close was Corliss Archer to a squealy teenager at that time? Um, pretty close. <laughs> uh, pretty close. Uh, actually... Uh, oh, I have so many, I, I'm so filled with things to talk to you about, but uh, Carlos was, was, all of my teenagers are different, I like to think, because Judy is totally different from Corliss, in uh -huh. my estimation, and uh, Emmy Lou was different, and I was doing them at the same time, but Emmy Lou was very much more hyper than Corliss, and Corliss was very uh, kind of girly, you know, <laughs> but... Um, uh, she was definitely a teenager, and she would get very dramatic when things didn't go her way, and uh, she was a delight to play. I loved doing Corliss Archer, and I loved that family so much that it felt like they were all my family. Before we got on the air, you went through, uh, ripped through a, a handful of questions that I had sent out to you, and one of them was about cast members. Cast what members? creates a good family atmosphere among cast members? It was totally different in radio than it is in cartoons uh, because radio, people loved their job, loved doing it so much, and we were all like real family. And if I got an opportunity to do a show and for any reason I couldn't do it, I would always tell my best friend about it and, you know, we, we would share. We were very sharing with each other and caring with each other. And it was just, I think it's the reason that I really loved radio the best of all. And uh, also, the thing that was wonderful about radio was the audiences, huge audiences. And they always laughed and clapped, and it was real. Nothing was recorded like it is mm -hmm. now. And that was very sad when they gave that back, because that live audience and that live audience reaction was so stimulating and so exciting. And uh, we were we were just very. Oh, I have one story to tell you about when I was doing Meet Carlos Archer, and Irene Tedrow was my 
my mother on it, as you know, and uh-huh. we were we faced each other at the microphone in those days, and um, we were doing a little scene together, and she was saying, well, Corliss, you know, and was giving me advice, but she was looking at me so strangely, and uh, I thought, well, what's wrong? And But she didn't, you know, she kept doing her lines, and my, my dad always gave me a rose to put in my hair whenever I performed, and uh, she kept looking at me and looking at me, and I thought, what's, what's, what's happening? But anyway, we, we got off the air, and she took the rose out of my hair, and she said there was a worm in it. <laughs> and she said the worm was, she was watching it, it would just raise its head and look like it was going to kiss my cheek. And she said she knew that if that worm kissed my cheek, I would blow everything up. I would be so startled. And I, I've never forgotten that. <laughs> Was toast. Now, your mom's name, the character of your mother, Janet, was Janet. Janet. I never liked that because people would get confused. Uh, Well, that was going to be my question. Did you ever get confused when someone called Janet or used Janet's name as part of the script? Did did it ever? No, because I was so Corliss. I was so used to being Corliss that I uh, I just figured that there wasn't a Janet except the mother part. <laughs> you just really dug into that role. Isn't that interesting? I was so sure that somebody was going to tell me, oh, sure, Janet Waldo perked up and said yes. <laughs> oh, never, never. Well, of course, you as you know, we it. had very carefully written scripts, and we had to follow the script, and uh, that was never indicated in my role. But um, I, always thought that was, I always thought that was quite confusing, and um, I wish that that wasn't the case, but Mr. Herbert, who created created the series, that's the way he wrote it, and he was not about to change anything. Also, he he insisted, you know, that, that I wear bobby socks and no makeup and look, you know, very teenage which I was and did, and uh, I was dying to be glamorized and be, I think that's why I wore the rose in my hair, <laughs> but um, he was a wonderful writer and a wonderful man, and I... I'm ever grateful to him for casting me in that, especially when I auditioned. I uh, was so nervous. It was the first series I had ever auditioned for, and I dropped my script all over the floor, and I thought, oh, well, they'll just never think of me again, and then when I got the part, I couldn't believe it. And, And then when Sammy Edwards was asked to play Dexter... He said, they said, do you want to play Meet Corliss? Do you want to be in Meet Corliss Archer? And he thought it had something to do with Archer, with bows and arrows or something. (laughs) He didn't have any idea what it was about. Uh Uh-huh. But he was brilliant. Sammy Edwards was a wonderful actor. You know, that that is really interesting about dressing for the part, even though you were on radio, but you were in front of a live audience. Yes. Well, uh, we always tried to to be as convincing as we could, and I became pregnant late in the run uh, with my daughter, Uh (laughs) and I I played it right, you know, I just add another petticoat. And then another petticoat, I didn't get very big, and you know, but I did, I was pregnant. So Ozzie Nelson would always introduce me to the audience before the show, and he would say, and the little teenager next door is played by Janet Waldo. Well, one night at the show, he said, and and I was very pregnant, and he said, and the little teenager next door is played by Mrs. Robert E. Lee, (laughs) because it wasn't fashionable to be pregnant if you were a teenager. Of course not. Of course not. (laughs) And I guess eventually 
people could tell it wasn't a petticoat. Yeah. Oh, well, eventually, um, I went to the little jackets. And I remember, do you remember Mary Jane Croft? Yes, of course. She was a wonderful actress, and she played in in the show with us, and uh-huh. I, she played different parts. And when I came out with my little jacket on, she said, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> I wasn't about to give up the petticoats. I think I, I wore them too late in this pregnancy. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That is so much fun. How old were you when you finished the role of Corliss Archer? Uh, well, I was, let's see, how old was I? I was in my... See, I was 15 when I started. We were 10 years. Well, that's add 15 and 10. <laughs> add 15 and... And, uh, and 10, add so you were in your middle years. 20s. Yeah, 22, 23. And wow. by the t- time I did Judy, I was older, and I never mentioned radio to anybody in the cast of the Jetsons because I didn't want them to think I'd been around that long. <laughs> Oh, never mentioned it, and I only learned many years after we had started the Jetsons that some of the people already knew it. <laughs> but oh, I, I thought, it. nobody remembers radio. <laughs> oh, but we do. Did Dexter have to dress the part? Uh, we, we, you know, he didn't dress crazy, but he, he didn't wear a suit or anything like that. He would wear uh, slacks and a sweater, you know. Oh, very jeans. much, very much. We liked to look as real as we could because uh-huh. the audience was very appreciative, and um, we had a fan club, a huge fan club, and uh, I always wore, as I said, bows in my hair or roses or something, and um, that's the only way we dressed, but um, one time I uh, I had had a Coca-Cola to drink before the show and left it on the chair, and what they would do in radio, they would introduce you, and you would come out from the wings. They'd say, and the part of Meet of Corliss is played by Janet Waldo. And then I'd come trekking out and sit, you know, the audience would applaud, and I'd sit down. I sat down on the Coke bottle. Oh, my gosh. And spilled it all over. <laughs> but that was an unusual thing. <laughs> you are on air with Janet Waldo. Yes, this is John from Maryland. Oh, hello, John. Hi, John. How are you doing? <laughs> Terrific. You've got Janet on the line with you. Marilyn. Oh, gosh. Uh, Marilyn, uh, they're going to do Inherit the Wind someplace over there. I'm not sure. Well, they are probably in Baltimore. Uh, I don't know, but my husband co-wrote that, and uh, so if it's in Maryland, you come to look at it. Either either that or is it Maine? I, I forgot. No, I think it's Maine that they're doing there. Oh. So. Um, anyway. Anyway, I'd like to call and, and say hello to you. And I was a teenager in the 40s. Wonderful. I al- and I always enjoyed your show. Oh, did, well, you ever play, did you ever play with uh, Lucille Ball? Yes. Ha- do you ever se- have you ever seen her TV shows? Oh, yeah. Well, have you ever seen the one about Young Loves? It's Young Love, it's called. And Dick Crenna and I played teenagers who were crazy about... Uh, uh, Lucy and uh, Ricky, and they were trying to get rid of us, so they pretended that they were very, very old. It's still played on TV. I love that episode. I wouldn't doubt that. (laughs) And and did you see it, Patricia? These TV shows that, uh, uh, the kids' shows, we had to watch those because we had small children. Huh? And they watched all these shows, and and my youngest son, he loves 
to this day, he's in his, he's going to be 50. My youngest one's going to be 50 years old this year. Wow. And he has quite a comic book collection. And uh, he saved when he was a little kid. And he loved all the cartoon shows. So I had to watch them all. I hope <laughs> In those days, we could only afford one television set. So oh, I watched, had, to watch had to watch them all. So I probably saw every one of the Lucy programs. Well, pardon me, what did you say? I said I probably watched every one of the Lucy programs. Do you remember that specifically, that one? And, and uh, Oz... I'm, I'm, if you can make, mention something, maybe I can recall it. Ricky... My memory's, my memory's not that good anymore. But they planned, played, pretended that they were very old and she wore a gray wig and he came in in a wheelchair. And he the thing that they did with my character, who was so crazy about him, my teenage character, uh, he would he said his knees hurt and he would ask me to jiggle his knees. And he'd say, keep jiggling, Peggy, keep jiggling. And now fans say to me, keep jiggling, Janet, keep jiggling. <laughs> but that show is so popular still, I just can't believe it. Wherever I go, audiences remember it. It's unbelievable. But I'm so glad I, I, that you watched I probably saw it, I just don't re recall it offhand. I bet your son... I mean, he had Richard Crenna, he had one of them teenage voices also. Yeah, and he was my neighbor, and we worked together a lot, and he, um, we did that together. I, I loved working with Dick. Yeah, he, he died young also, huh? Oh, yeah, it's too sad. Excuse me. But anyway, I, I enjoyed your program when I was a teenager, and I thought I'd call and say hello. Well, I'm so grateful that you did, and it's nice to hear your voice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Hope you all, I, have, I hope you have a nice evening. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And there's John from Mill, and you can call and talk to the talented, lovely Janet Waldo at 714-545-2072. Janet, I am so delighted you mentioned that I Love Lucy episode, which was so much fun. It's one of my favorite episodes. Well, I you know, a lot of people say that, and I've gone to conventions where they, they just go crazy over that show. It was so much fun to... It, it actually put people on the other side where kids would see someone at the age that Lucy and Ricky were at and consider them old people. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it, it was really fun to see it from all different perspectives. But it, it was, your performance was just so cool. It oh, I really love that. That was the first television show I ever did, and it was yeah. live. It was a live audience. And, uh, uh, and they did it with three different cameras, and uh, and the, the the applause, everything was not, you know, recorded at all. Mm -hmm. And it was really quite an experience to do. And I remember Lucy was was you know she was kind of a taciturn lady. She was yeah. very sweet, but she was very very nice to me. And when, before we got on and they introduced us and everything, uh, I was backstage and I was looking at the script and mumbling and mumbling. And she said, too late now, kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Janet, you mentioned three cameras. Did they have three cameras yes, going they did. at the same time? Yes. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. And then they would pick and choose and, you know, cut it the way they wanted it. And very rarely did they have to do pickups. Once in a while, if there was a major goof that somebody made or something with the lighting, they would have to redo it. But I don't remember they redoing anything. They did the show cold in front of a live audience without a without a blurb. 
That's amazing. I mean, when you, when you consider and compare it to what happens today in performance studios, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? And uh, actually, I did uh, Valentine's Day with Tony Franciosa, I think I mentioned before, and uh, it was totally different because everything was was very scheduled and, you know, they'd do several takes of each scene and it was totally different. But Lucy was very rare and I'm so excited that it's so well remembered. The Lucy I, show. I Love Lucy runs for hours on my cable. I'm in Florida. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Excuse me, in southwest Florida. And we get easily six I Love Lucy shows at night. I mean, they're in the dead of night, but um, it, it's a continuous thing. I, I know that to, the, to this day, I, I love watching the Lucy show, even if I'm not on it. <laughs> I love her work. I think she's so funny and so real, and I just love it. Although, I hate to say it, but I, uh, my husband, we didn't much like the way she did Mame. She, you know, Angela Lansbury did that originally. Uh-huh. And she wasn't quite right for Mame, and she did her own singing, which was a mistake. That's a good thing. <laughs> but she is, as she was, a wonderful performer, and uh, I really enjoyed working with her. Comedy, <clears throat> excuse me, her earliest work in comedy, I think, was her finest. I think so, too. And, you know, I have to tell you, I, I did a radio show with her, actually, or before I did the TV show, and I was playing a little teenager naturally and I wore you know charm bracelets were very in and I was very new to radio so I wore a charm bracelet at on the show and then uh Lucy stopped the you know we weren't recording we were just reading through and she said is there a dog in here oh dear and I knew what she meant so I took it off oh dear Uh. aggressive here Oh, wow. Oh, that's terrible. Does that hurt your feelings? <laughs> well, I felt ashamed that I didn't realize that it would be picking up on the microphone. I was very ashamed. And believe me, I do not wear jewelry now when I do a show. Nothing dangles. Nothing oh, that dangles or sounds. All right. <laughs> Janet, this is a secret now. Yeah? Did you and Bill Christie or Sam Edwards ever have a date? I had dates with Sammy. I love Sammy. We would well. We he was so sweet, and he he was very dear to me. But very young in radio, I met Robert E. Lee, not the uh-huh. general, but the writer. Uh-huh. And I fell madly in love with him. And he actually he hired me all the time, and so I saw him a lot. And once I met Bob Lee, I didn't date anybody. I think I only had one date with Sammy, but. He always called me when he came into town. We always had dinner together, and um, I adored him, and and we just had a great relationship, but not uh, not like my husband. <laughs> like your husband. That part I understand. <laughs> I should have prefaced this. When we're talking about Sammy Edwards, we're talking about Dexter, one of the Dexters. That's right. And I asked, uh, I, I almost called you Corliss. That's okay. I'm used <laughs> to it. <laughs> I asked Janet if, uh, you know, because there were two guys there, and gosh, they were kind of cute, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, they were. And uh, uh, you know that Bill, it was Bill Christie, wasn't it? Or what was what was his first name? Bill. First, he was the first Dexter. Uh huh. Bill Christie. And he died. Did you know oh. that? 
No. He died, and it was a very sudden and unexpected thing to happen and was devastating. And we thought, well, this show will never go on again, yeah. you know. But they found Sammy Edwards, who was so brilliant as Dexter. And uh, he was just, then he did it the rest of the run. But yeah. Bill Christie, and I worked with his father a lot on other radio shows. Ken Christie, wasn't it? Uh-huh. And wonderful actor and a wonderful person, and I know how devastated he was when he lost his son. Wow. But um, it was, um, radio was so great, and I think I've said it before, and I continue to say it, the greatest thing about radio were two things, the, the actors who were in it and the audiences who watched it. Those were great audiences. They just would love it. And that I, I know I'm repeating myself on that. Now, Walden and I and our listeners have talked about that every once in a while over the time, how important a live audience was to so many shows and how unimportant it was to a handful of shows. But the energy that was generated, especially in the comedies, seemed to feed the show. It, it was like your supper. That's right. And, you know, I was actually sad. Uh, Bing Crosby was the one who had everything being taped, you know, put on tape. Mm -hmm. And including canned laughs. And I was sad when that happened because I loved the live experience of getting the audience to talk to you. I mean, they would, would inspire you yeah. how to play it. And I, I miss that. I miss that to this day. You're on the air with Janet Waldo. Hey there, it's Dan again, and I don't mean to top the line, but I bet uh, Janet would have some Gail Gordon stories. Oh, well, I love Gail Gordon, and he, uh, of course, as you know, he was on the Jetsons. You knew that. Yes. And yes. a sweet, wonderful man, but he was the kind of a guy who really didn't fool around. I mean, he was very serious uh, about his work, and he didn't like it when the actors would get giggly, and especially the girls. <laughs> Uh, no, he was very, very serious. But I, I loved him, and I respected him so much as an actor. Really. Was he a practical joker? Uh, not to me. I didn't know if he was. I don't, I'd never heard that he was. That just came out of the, the air, because he, as I listened to him and in performances, like on television, especially with the Lucy series, he always struck me as a practical joker. Well, he always was kind of dry funny, you know? I mean, he would come up with really funny things. He was very funny as that character in the Lucy show uh -huh. and got lots and lots of laughs. He had great timing, which is so important to an actor, as you know. And um, he would just, uh, he was, but I didn't think of him as a practical joker. I, I didn't know him that well. Uh -huh. I only did that, that one show with him with Lucy, and then I did cartoons with him. But, uh -huh. uh, I have no way of knowing where that came from in my head. It's just that as, as in well, my I, head, he, he always struck me as a practical joker. So I, I bet that was because of his character, that he was probably. so kind of uh, sneaky and, you know, subtle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That was great. Well, I'm glad you watched the shows in those of days. Of course. <laughs> oh, my I, goodness. Do you want me to tell you another radio story? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. You stop me if I'm talking too much, but, uh, you know, it was live radio when I first started doing radio, and as I said, we didn't start recording them until after Bing brought, back, brought tape out, but um, 
one day I lived very close to the, the uh, NBC studios, and I got a call from NBC, and they said, how fast can you get here? We are doing uh, a Silver Theater. Do you remember Silver Theater? No. You bet. It, yep, it, I do. It was right 1941-42. You bet. Good series. Uh, I think Walden has heard this story, haven't you, Walden? Maybe. <laughs> I said, tactful. Well, you're going to hear it again. But they called me and said, can you get here? How fast can you get here? I had just gotten my first car, and I was very insecure about driving. But I said, well, I think it'll take me about 15 minutes or 10 minutes. I'll go fast, and which I did, and a policeman stopped me. Oh, gee. And I, I said, oh, I have to do a live radio show, and they're expecting me right now, and if I don't get there, they have to go on the air, and I'm playing, you know, the romantic lead, and I have to be there. And the policeman said, oh, well, follow me. So he took me to the studio, and, I, and he stayed for the show, and, and was sitting in the audience, and then I, I came out, and I said, did you like it? He said, I loved it. Here's your ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no! Wasn't that awful? <laughs> but I never forgot that. <laughs> oh, I hope he's listening. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> oh, what a crummy thing to do. And, he even, and you even let him in the audience. Yeah, because I thought I had, to, uh, I had to be kind to him because he was so helpful. He got me there in time. And I read, I read the script cold. But that was from radio training. You know, we could all do that. You could do that. You and I just, I hadn't seen it before. I read it. And Harriet Nelson was in the audience, and she said, Janet, you're quite a little actress. I didn't know you could do stuff like that. <laughs> because from Emmy Lou, you know, she heard Emmy Lou, but that's sure. all. Sure. But um, it, was, uh, it was a radio experience. There were lots of things like that that happened. Oh, I have another one. You bet. Go ahead, You're here. Is that okay? Stop me, Walden. You bet. Keep going, Janet. Keep you, going. Just, I'll just keep going until you stop me. All right. But this was one of the big thrills of my life. I worked with Frank Sinatra, whom I adored, and uh, and he was working with uh, a, a guy, oh gosh, what was his name, a music conductor, but anyway. A uh, actual short off. No. No? Was an actual? Okay. No, another one. I can't think of his name. But anyway, I got called to do Teenage Tina on that show. And that was, it was the cutest spot. And uh, I did it two or three times. And where um, I had one line, Frank was very cute with me, and he would play old music that my father supposedly wanted to hear. And then he would ask me questions, and I went into a, uh, he said, how does that song go? And I went into Let Me Call You Sweetheart, and I sang a part of it. And then I, at the end of it, I said, just think, I'm singing on Frankie's show. And he said, I got news for you, kid. It ain't permanent. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience was filled with teenagers because, you know, Frank had a huge teenager following. Sure. And they, they said, oh, and I thought that was wonderful that they were devastated. Oh, my but gosh. But the story that I want to tell about that is that I never, you know, in those days, we didn't get copies of anything. Yeah. And a fan, bless their hearts, how I do love fans, sent me a copy of it. And I have it. And it's really cute. And I'm, I treasure it. But I very often will get something from fans that I have never heard, that I've done. Isn't that sweet? 
It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And that pops up every once in a while. Someone will say that. And it's just such a wonderful gift when someone recognizes the value. I have. I, I love cartoon fans. I love theater fans and, and film fans, but there's nothing like radio fans. They I are so dear. And can I tell you another radio story? You bet. Well, you know, another great thrill for someone young like me and new in the business, um, I got to work with so many big, big stars. And, of course, watching them, you learn so much. But I did one show with, with uh, Vivian Lee and um, her husband. So, Sir Lawrence Olivier. Sir, Sir Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. And um, she was playing a rather dramatic scene. And he stopped her and he said, uh, Darling, uh, why don't you re read it this way? <laughs> and she looked at him very sweetly and she said, It's my line, dear. <laughs> Isn't that cute? And oh, I worked I with Clark it. Gable one time. And, you know, we all did radio all the time, so we thought it was like, like a, you know, just a daily, daily routine. Uh -huh. And so um, uh, I worked with Clark Gable. And I had seen him, you know, in Gone with the Wind, and I thought he was the most brilliant actor and everything. But I was watching him at the microphone, and his pat legs were just trembling. He was scared. He was totally scared of radio. Oh, my. And, and I thought, the great Rhett Butler is scared of radio. And, you know, there were a lot of people who were afraid of radio. Uh, big stars, because it was live, it was in front of a live audience, and they were s so used to the camera, and, you know, doing a take two, three, four, mm -hmm. ten, whatever. Yeah, they, I guess, it sounds like they felt they had an awful lot at risk in front of a live microphone. Yeah, but now, I, you know, I'll keep on telling you stories, but I better not. Mm -hmm. I bet you, I hope you will. <laughs> <laughs> but you tell me some stories now. <laughs> D thank you, Dan, for uh, calling in. Yeah, take care. Talk to you later. Oh, excuse me. That's okay. No, he had to I'm so sorry. No. Yeah, he called and got a question in. Was open oh, line? I'm so sorry. No, it's good. It's no, good. I thought he'd gone off. Oh, please. No, no, no. No, he he, he, he just wanted to ask that one question, and he did. Good. I'm oh, they're calling in, Janet. Here we go. Hello there. You're on the air with Janet Waldo. Uh, hello, Janet. This is Ray from Chicago. Ray, you know what's exciting? All the people who call are guys. I know. <laughs> well, we love, I love you it. then, and we love you now. <laughs> Janet, I, I have a question for you. Huh? Uh, I am curious. You say you, you're working on Odyssey now. Huh? And um, did you know, I mean, did you ever work with Hal Smith? Oh, I loved Hal. I worked with him all the time. In fact, he was the one who got me on the Odyssey show. Is that right? So you knew he passed away. Um... Oh, it was so sad. I and you know they've never been able to find anyone who had the, who has the quality that he had. They they've tried a couple of other people, and haven't found success. They they're not happy like they were with Hal. What a wonderful actor. And, you know, I worked with him on many things. I even did a, a singing record with him. Oh, for goodness sakes. Now, most people didn't know, <laughs> I certainly didn't, that he was um, Otis on the um, Andy Griffith show. Yes, he was. And uh, 
they were always trying to... Uh, actually, he could have had his own series with that character. He was wonderful. Yeah, and uh, I, I liked that program and Otis so much, my daughter actually brought me a picture of, uh, for my birthday some years ago, with Otis on a steer with uh, Andy and, uh, and Don Knox. <laughs> really? Yeah, I still have that picture, as a matter of fact. Funny, that's... And uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that program. I used to listen to it with one of my grandchildren. And old John Avery Witt, and Patricia, if you ever had a chance to listen to that, that is radio like the old days. Oh, I love radio like the old days. I'll listen to anything, <laughs> because there was nothing like it. It was so great. Well, now, how often are you on Odyssey? I haven't listened to it in a year or two. Well, you know, I haven't been on for about a year or a little longer, and I was totally shocked because I got a call, oh, just a few weeks ago that they wanted to bring me back. Alan hasn't been very well, Alan Young. And I, he's uh, actually he's having trouble walking. I'm sad to say. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He's he's also lives pretty close to me, and I talk to him frequently. But he's fine. He sounds great. But uh, they didn't want to pressure him, you know. To yeah, yeah. But others... well, um, uh, I, I I just wanted to call in and mention Hal's name because I enjoyed him so much. Not only uh, oh, what a uh, you know on the um, on TV as Otis. But even more is John Avery Witt in Odyssey, you know. I, I really, he was, that was a phenomenal show, not only for kids, but for adults, too. He was wonderful. Well, it is a great show. Now, I wanted to ask you something else, too, Janet. Did you ever walk, uh, work with Shirley Mitchell, another... All the time, all the time. In fact, I did a show called Young Love with Jimmy Lydon. And it was about a young couple who were uh, secretly married. They were going to college, and if the college knew that they were secretly married, they would not be allowed to go, because it was in those days it wasn't, you couldn't get, be married and go to college. And Shirley Mitchell was playing the part of Molly Bell Orglethorpe. And she'd say, oh, you are absolutely sin sensational. She would do, you know, the little old Southern stuff. And we worked together on that. We worked together on many shows. And we still go up to Seattle frequently to work with the Walden, <laughs> with the uh, Seattle group. And um, she's, she's, I think she's been feeling not great lately, but but she's still working and, and okay. So that's what counts. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that. I used to really enjoy her role on uh, The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah, you know that whenever she's on, and if she does that role, the audience just goes wild. Yeah, I really What enjoy. she does is... I'm, as I'm, by the way, I'm a fan of the Carlos Archer days. So, you know, and your name is mentioned all over the place when I'm listening to old-time radio. So it's a real, real pleasure to be able to speak so, to you. When you realize that I got into radio quickly and picked up and got going on radio, and, and I was so fortunate because it was such a short live time for radio you know it was, I was on it for 10 years but that was it yeah that's a shame you know Shirley uh, I, I, I Janet I, I have to tell you I, I don't in my wildest imagination I cannot even comprehend why they took off um, 
these these wonderful programs off the radio. The radio is still popular. They have talk shows and they have this and they you know music, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But why not uh, the dramas and the comedies and all of those? I, I I can't even fathom why they took it off. I just don't understand it. It's disappointing. It's so disappointing because I agree with you. But you know, it's a whole different class of actors now because most of TV uh, is cartoons now. I mean, the kind that like Corliss Archer and. Uh, um, the cartoon people aren't as acclimated to to acting as, you know, they do voices. But um, I don't mean to put them down because there's some wonderful performers. <laughs> but I agree with you. I love the storyline, and I loved, uh, and you know, all of the laughs in radio were live. They, they didn't add any laughter. And now they put the laughs in, they put the applause in, they put... put audience reaction in and it disappoints me because it isn't real <laughs> yeah well yeah well that's why I spend so much time listening to um, yesterday USA and uh, and other similar programs uh, Walden and, Pat and Patricia do an outstanding job on hey, this wonder program and I um, I can't wait till I get home on Saturday nights just to listen to them. Well, they make so it's a re it's an ex extra special privilege to be able to talk to you, and I I um, I'm I'm a fan. I'll continue to be a fan. By the by, do you have a web page at all? Yeah, uh, I have a fan page. I have a web page, and I have um, I'm all over the computer. She has a Facebook. Ah, so you well, I guess Facebook. I have, I, I started out with a fan page, and then somebody put me on the, um, what is the other one? Um, oh gosh, well I think Facebook. I don't know. I think Facebook. Yep, yep, yep. I'm on it, and I put, I have lots of pictures on there from all of the different shows I've done, and um, I love it. I love. It. That's one thing. But you know that we can thank the Jetsons for the computer. <laughs> Because, oh, yeah. <laughs> because the Jetsons were the first ones to have a computer. Yeah, I, I recall that now that you mention it. I, oh, I'm wonderful. always so Janet, you're a delight. Uh, you know, you you have fans who are lifelong fans, and I'm one of them. I love them, and I love you, and I'm so grateful that you called, and I enjoyed talking to you. All right. Good night now. Good night, uh, Walden and Patricia. Good night, hey. Ray. Yeah, I'll be listening. Sounds Thanks. Bye-bye. There's Ray from Chicago, 714-545-2071. You can call and talk to the wonderful Janet Waldo now if you like to. Go ahead, Patricia. Janet, I have a question about the transition of the show from radio to television. Now, if I read my information correctly, there was an overlap so that the radio show was continuing. Which radio well, show are you talking about, though? Uh, I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. Corliss Archer. Oh, Corliss Archer, yeah. Okay. Meet Corliss Archer. Shame on me. Um, <laughs> well, we've <laughs> talked about so many different things. I, I know. But that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Shame From on radio me. to television. Uh, it didn't work on television. Uh, it was only on a very short while. Is that what, right, what was your question, though? <laughs> you just answered it. Um, well, I you know what happened. They wanted, they, this will amuse you, and I think it will amuse Walden. They wanted me to do it, and of course I wanted to do it. And uh, my agent then said, 
no, you're not going to do teenagers anymore. <laughs> and I'm still doing teenagers. <laughs> I'll show him. My question actually related to your taking a role or not taking a role on the television show. And I looked at it from an entirely different perspective from the actress and teenager. I was looking at this, that you had created an image with your voice on radio. Every person who heard you had a different picture in his head or her head uh -huh. about what you looked like. Yeah. And suddenly there was a Corliss Archer on television and robbed you. <laughs> well, and not only that, there was a movie, and Shirley Temple played it in the movie. Uh, did you I, remember I, that? No. And it was I, terrible. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to say that, but, you know, it was just, maybe it was just the script. But, um, I, but my agent, it was so amusing to me that, that he said, I don't want you to do teenagers anymore because now you're an actress, you're going to do big things, and I'm still doing teenagers. And you're still doing teenagers. Um, Janet, when that happened, when someone else's face appeared with the character of Corliss Archer, did you feel robbed in any way or that you had surrendered part of your identity or part of a character that you helped create? I did. I feel, you know, I think that's a natural thing for an actor to feel when you've created a character. You feel a certain, you know, uh, it's special feeling for that character sure. and I I felt sad I felt sad about it but I was kind of glad it wasn't very good <laughs> <laughs> I love honesty Jen. <laughs> that's good I'm glad that's a really human response I love it I love it did one medium affect the other? You were doing radio. It was on television and it bombed. You've got a movie coming out and it was not good. How did all of that play together? Well, I don't think the movie came out while we were still on the air. Thankfully. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think it affected us one way or the other, uh, except for all of us who went to see it and thought, oh, no. <laughs> but um, uh, I... I uh, I don't recall having any feeling except sad that it wasn't better. Yeah. But in a way, not sad. <laughs> yeah. Did you, know, you had a, a mystique, uh, for lack of a better word? There was a, there was a mystique about all of the actors on radio. That I mean, the image that I have in my head, for example, we talk about Fibber McGee and Molly a lot on our show on Saturday nights. The fibber in my head is different from the fibber in your head is different from the fibber in somebody else's head. And the same happened with Corliss Archer and all of the other act all of the other characters you created. But now we've got an image on television and it blew it. And well, you know that I think that happened a lot with a lot of radio shows. Uh, because it just it didn't continue the feeling that the audience had because it was different and so they, it, they wanted the original you know they uh -huh. really did so it did intrude uh-huh uh. it did really but um but there was no and radio you know was a very short short live time uh it was it wasn't on forever radio went down very suddenly don't you yeah. think I, indeed it did and it's amazing how many treasures 
there were within that short time frame and how many are, have survived my goodness you know I mean we're talking tens of thousands here aren't you amazed at the people who still love radio still listen to old radio shows Look what I got. just think it's so great that they do I mean again I thank the fans because they really respect and appreciate radio it's where the quality is Janet uh-huh it is and uh uh, there was some wonderful radio going on. I worked with um, Eddie Robinson, which was one of the first radio shows I did, and what an actor he was. And uh, I learned so much. The people in radio were good actors, and if you were a newcomer, they were helpful. They would they would give you hints. They would give you direction. They would say, you know, with. Uh, he was he was just wonderfully helpful to all of the new young actors that were coming in and on on his show and uh that doesn't happen anymore do you know that in cartoons now when i was doing the jetsons we worked together as a group at, for most of the series mm -hmm. and then they've split it up and now they do one person at a time which i think is so sad because you don't get that family feeling you don't get the rapport that you have by working together and i i really miss not working as a group and we did in radio we we directly related to each other in the in the radio shows it's We'd... so puzzling when you're telling me about the cartoon work and the voiceover work that each person has a script that person performs the script and then the next one comes in metaphorically the next one comes in and does a script and somehow they're all supposed to blend Yes, and it's very disconcerting. I did a commercial for Judy Jepson, and I was so excited about it. This was a couple of years ago, uh -huh. and I was looking forward to I was going to be working with Elroy. And, of course, Dawes Butler was Elroy, but I was going to be working with a new Elroy, and I was very excited about meeting him and seeing how he was and if he was close to Dawes, Dawes' voice. And I went in. I was alone in the studio. I finished. He came in and did his part, and we both were crushed that we didn't get to work together. Oh, how sad. And I think they do it because it's easier to be to edit, and Walden would understand about that. Yeah. Well, I do understand that part, but it seems to me that, and what do I know? I'm on the outside, but it seems to me they're surrendering magic for the sake of ease on the non-performing part. Right. And he would say, no, 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 that's not right. What else have you got? What else have you got? You know? And now, whatever you come up with goes, they print it, and it's mm -hmm. in. And it's, uh, it's not as careful as it used to be. I miss that. How much time in the half-hour show of the Jetsons, how much actual performance time was within that 30 minutes? Uh, well, actually... Uh, the performance time varied. With Joe Barbera, it was a long time, but now uh, it's just uh, it takes it takes about an hour to do a half hour show, mm -hmm. an hour and fifteen or twenty minutes. Very very fast. Wow! And they just go blah 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 really fast. <laughs> yeah. 
Are you excited to be with Walden and me? Oh, I'm so excited. Well, you know, of course, I adore, I adore Walden, and now I adore you. Well, thank you. That was a loaded question, Janice. Are, are <laughs> By you the more, way, can I tell you? you? You're very are good. Oh, no you. wonder are Walden you is so fond of you. You bet. Oh, bless his heart. <laughs> we call him lovable. He truly is. And you know that you are very good at questions. I do so many phone, uh, you know, talks. And uh, I just find that um, it's very good when you get a good interviewer. Well, it's a lot of fun when you've got somebody fun to talk with. My goodness. Well, you you sound like you're a very fun person. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just having a good time here. Janet, that was, that was my loaded question. I asked you if you're really excited about being with us. Have you worked up enough to give us a squeal? Well, you know what? I didn't have any sleep last night, and I'm not in a squealing mood. But call me back in a, <laughs> uh, tomorrow, and I'll, I'll do a squeal for you. Well, maybe... I still do them, uh, but you know, people don't understand. A squeal is not just a squeal. No, it is not. You have to rev up to it. You have to. And Ozzy would do that for me. He would say, uh, Emmy Lou, uh, I, uh, how do you like my new beard? You know? And then he'd say, you like? And she'd say, oh, it's wonderful. And he'd say, would you like to touch it? And she'd say, yes. <laughs> See? There you go. You did it. <laughs> but you have to you have to be revved up. <laughs> well, I that was wonderful. Thank you for doing that. And I understand what you're telling me that it's not simply a a piece of script. It really does come from the inside. It does. I, I'm an old-fashioned actor, and I, it has to come from the inside for me. I have talked to classes, and they said, what part of your voice do you use, and how do you choose how to play a young role, uh, you know, a kid? I played little boys, little girls, very young. And my first job ever in this life was as a doll at three years old. <laughs> but... You know, I don't say, oh, I will place it in the back of my throat or in my nose or up there. I just think like the character. I think mm -hmm. like that person. And it happens. And I, I, most actors do it all mechanically now. I'm not meaning to put them down because they're great. But for me, that isn't such, that doesn't work so well. When, now, this, this is unusual. Not everybody performs with that approach or that frame of mind. But that suggests to me that when you're finished with the performance, you might have a little bit of trouble hanging up the character and going back to being yourself instantly. Uh, you're right. That does happen. And, you know, uh, I remember I had a big discussion with my husband who hired me before we were married. No, the first thing, he hired me a lot before we were married. But right after we were married, we'd only been married about three days and I did a show for him Oh my! and he was a director and he pressed the button and said Jan you're sounding like Carlos Archer I was so angry I because I thought I, I wasn't I wasn't I was playing the part and there was a wonderful old actor by the name of Norman Field I bet you Dawes might remember him and he said he called me aside and he said Janet you want to break up your marriage and I said no and he said look He's the director, you're the actor, you take his direction. But I was so angry that he would dare to say that I was sounding like Corliss Archer. But I stopped sounding like Corliss Archer, and it was one of the best jobs I ever did. Really? You're on the phone with Janet Waldo. Hello there. 
Hello? Hello? I think we just lost the call. That's okay. Oh, maybe they... Oh, dear. I'm well, no, 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 no. They might, they might call the dog around number so I order pizza. But that's okay. 714-545-2071. I cried calling back. You're on the air with Janet Waldo. Hello, oh, this is Chad. Hi, Chad. Chad. Oh, how great. I have guys only. I love it. <laughs> I know. Caring. <laughs> this is great for you and me, Patricia. I know. <laughs> well, I hate to interrupt Patricia because I know she's getting on a roll, but I do have a few questions I'd like to ask if, that, if that's okay. Okay. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to two teen teenagers here. You both have such young voices. Well, thank oh. you. Thank That's you very too. important. Now, before you were talking about, I think you mentioned that Ozzy Nelson was in the audience of one of your shows that you did. I was wondering, do, did radio actors do that a lot? Would they attend other shows and of other radio shows that were taking place? Sure. Ozzy didn't do it very much. I'm trying to think of what show it was that uh, he was in the audience for because he was very aware that he was Ozzy Nelson, and, you know, you get he gets so surrounded by fans that, that he didn't like to do that. And um, the boys were totally swarmed. Ricky and, and David were totally swarmed by friends, so, fan, fans, so they didn't do that very much. But um, I love to go to radio shows. <laughs> and I, uh, but, you know, there aren't any anymore. You know that. Breaks my heart. Sob, sob. <laughs> Are you there? Hey, you mentioned you mentioned that your agent didn't want you to do any more teenage roles. Did you feel that you were typecast, and did that worry you any? Didn't worry me. It just worried my agent. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing teenagers. I well, as you know, I still do them. I still do them uh, on radio. Uh, have you ever listened to a show called Cart? California Arts. No, I haven't. It's California Arts Radio Theater. Peggy Weber creates it, and she calls me frequently, but it's always for a teenager. <laughs> and I think, okay, I'll do it as long as they want me. <laughs> but I, I love doing teenagers. I also love doing dramatic roles, and I do that often, too. And, uh, I don't know if you... Go ahead. Um... You haven't. Also, you didn't mention Young Love very much. Um, I know you just knew right when you did that. Um, it was that the reason why they picked you. Well, for Young Love. Yes. Well, I'll tell you a little secret about that. Young Love was written by my very new husband and his writing partner Jerry Lawrence. It was Lawrence and Lee, and they uh -huh. they hired me to do that, but. But I think I had an in because I was his wife. <laughs> but you know, I also did Railroad Hour. Do you remember Railroad Hour? Sure. And mm -hmm. in the name, some I did Lux Radio Theater. I did all of the radio shows. Favorite Story, which was one that—that's how I met my husband. He hired me on that, and then he kept hiring me again and again and again. And then he finally said, "Hey, would you like to go out for dinner?" <laughs> But, but he, uh, uh, that, that was, we all did very much radio. We loved it. Now, it, it, I read something on the internet that said that you're related to Ralph Waldo Emerson. Is that true? Yes, 
Very distantly, but true. But you don't usually believe everything you see on the Internet, right? <laughs> because yeah. they've got some really bad things on the interview. There was another Janet Waldo, I don't know if you know that, who was a lot older than I am. <laughs> they credit me with her age on occasion, which makes me very upset. But um, uh, the, uh, I also did, oh, I don't dare tell you... Uh, a show that I did because I did a lot of looping at Universal Pictures and I uh, looped in the stars like Barbara Streisand or uh, Sally Field and different ones like that and um, I would they would say bad words you know dirty words wrong words swear words on on and then they would have to clean it up for the airplane flights and uh, so I I did a lot of those voices, but I did one voice on the Blues Brothers. Do you, uh, Aretha Franklin? Do you remember her? Oh, sure. Uh -huh. Aretha Franklin, and oh, I can't bet. repeat to you what she said, <laughs> but I repeated. I went to Comic Con in San Diego, and I repeated it on a panel that I was doing a discussion on a panel, and I said I did. I did replaced the bad word with a good word. And the bad word, shall I tell him? Sure, sure. go ahead. Why not? Why not? Uh, uh, well, the, uh, well, she said, oh, I don't hate, now you pro oh, my sure, daughter Janet. just came in, she said, yeah. say the word. Uh, well, if you want to just give the initial, Janet, we can try to figure it out. Well, it begins with S. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank there you go. That's a good way to do I, it. And I changed it to, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? They Somebody copied that and put it on YouTube, and it played. Uh, they played a lot of the characters that I do, and then at the end of it, they quoted the bad S word. Instead oh. of saying, oh, shoot. They used the, the wrong other, word. The I was overwhelmed. I said, I can't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I don't want people to think that I said that. But it was on, on the computer. I think it still is. <laughs> uh, Isn't that too bad? Yes. That's but, a heartbreaker. But I was, I was very sad about that and very mad because I said, how dare they do that? Boy, and you didn't even get the joy of saying it. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're cute, Patricia. <laughs> But anyway, oh, you guys, it's fun talking to you. But have we have we finished our callers? Any more well, questions, Chad? I, I do have a couple little things. I, I must let you know, I actually did grow up listening to you on the radio, although that may make me sound older, but I grew up listening to Adventures in Odyssey, and that, that's my favorite show, and that's I think that's really what got me interested in old-time radio. Honest? And I, prob I probably heard you, but I didn't know of you at the time, but I later out. I found out about you, and uh, then I remembered you you were in there. But I was wondering, yeah, go ahead. How, how, how do they do that? Um, could you walk us through how the production works? Do you get the script Wait, ahead of time? I record do you get to work with the actors, or are you in a, a separate get booth, it? or how does that work? Well, I'll, I'll go right from the beginning. They call your agent. I have an agent, of course. Everybody does. And they say, uh, is Janet available on such and such a date? And he looks it up or calls me, and, and he says, yes, okay, she is. They said, we want to have her record from two, from 12 noon till 4. We're going to do two episodes of Focus on the Family. And then I either accept it or I say, oh, I can't do it that date, and then they will very often change the date. 
but they call they called me way ahead. I'm doing one in April, and they called me way ahead and said I just did one a couple of weeks ago. But my character hasn't been in very much for the last several years because um, I don't know exactly why. <laughs> but they haven't been able to write the character. Uh, once she, uh, Alan Young was my husband, and we got married. And once that we got married, they didn't know how to write for us. You know, that, <laughs> what else was there to say? <laughs> so, but now they've discovered something new that they're going to do, and so they're bringing us back. But uh, it's a lovely show. The people are lovely. The actors are wonderful, very professional. They work it. They do work in a little studio in um, Van Nuys. And they, I get the call, I go to the studio, and um, they put us at the microphone, and we do run-throughs of the, of the dialogue, and then um, the director gives us comments and direction, and then we do it another time, and then we, and then we record it, just right straight through. And then they do pickups if something goes wrong, and then uh, it's, it's, really, it's really fun. Well, it's just like radio. <laughs> I, that that is fun to do because it is exactly like radio, whereby some of the shows that they do now on TV are done, as I explained earlier, with just um, a microphone and one actor. But this way, I get to work with the other actors, which is the most fun. How many people? Well, I, I think that, I think that's great that you get to do that because yeah, I've heard lots of stories how people are alone and they don't really get to play off the other actors, and it's it's nice to hear that they are still making radio dramas where the actors actually are in the same room. I am so grateful. Actually, that's the fun of doing that show because the actors are in the same room. And most of the other shows, well, of course, I do many cartoon shows, and you never get to work with the other actors. And it's, it's so disappointing. It's, it's, I think it's a mistake because I don't think you get the same quality in the, in the show as you do when you have the actors reacting to each other. But I'm... <laughs> that you let, listen, I'll have to tell them in April when I go over there, I'm going to say, I talked with a big fan of Focus on the Family. <laughs> yeah, um, so, so how are today's radio actors? Are they as good or just about as good as the ones from the 40s? Are, they, are there some um, good radio actors around? Well, I, without seeming to feel prejudiced, um, most of the actors in the early days of radio were from the theater, uh, and they were okay. brilliant actors. I mean, they had done Shakespeare, they had done, and they were brilliant actors. Now the actors are more just voice people, and not meaning to say they aren't wonderful, but um, the old-fashioned actors are, are the best trained. There's not a lot of training for radio actors now, and in the old, old days they could come right from theater into radio, and that's why they were so good. But uh, they're very good, and you know what's very good in today's group is that there's so many mimics. There's so many actors who can do so many other different voices, especially in cartoons. And then when it comes, but the only thing that I notice is when it comes down to acting a straight role, they have a little difficulty because they're not uh -huh. imitating somebody else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, but, but they're very good. The actors are very good, but they don't come from the theater like they used to. Uh-huh. Do you get the scripts ahead of time for, like, the shows you're going to be reporting in April? And can you tell us what's going to be in the shows, or are you sworn to secrecy? Alan Young is supposed to be on with me, and I have no idea what the script is about, and we don't see it until we go into the studio. 
Really? And it's scary, too. Because you think, gee, what do I have to do? I, you can't wait <laughs> to read it and see, because you don't have a lot of rehearsal time in, uh, in radio today. What is the benefit of not having a lot of rehearsal time? It's fresher. They come up, and the writers have to the last minute, you know, to correct and, and revise, and uh, they feel that it's more spontaneous. I wish they would send the scripts out ahead. I wish they would have a rehearsal a day ahead or something, but they never do that. It's right the day of the recording. It's, it's harder to make it interesting and to make it have yeah. definition and depth. It, it sure sounds like it would rattle my cage. <laughs> it does mine, too, if you want to Because <laughs> I, like, I like to think about it. And you know, the wonderful thing about Joe Barbera, they'd give us the scripts ahead and a storyboard. We could look at the storyboard, and they always had the actors in a little early, and we'd go around mumbling our pe character, you know, trying to get a new idea or something and just going blah, 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 work, 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 work. And we had time to do that before yeah. they started uh, rehearsing. And then he came in with his suggestions, which were always brilliant, such as, what else have you got? Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like you could add a whole lot of texture to yes, the show that exactly. way. exactly. But is it, does that answer your question? Well, it answered... Yes, um, did it answer your um, question? Yes, yes, it, it, very thoroughly. Um, I was wondering, uh, Walden was playing a bit of a cordless show earlier where you uh, you were talking to a baby. Was it? I've heard stories that there's just one guy who would play all the babies on the network. Uh, oh, that I who did the baby? Him up. Jerry Hausner, wonderful actor, and he could do many things, but he did the best baby cries that you've ever heard. And he, the baby had personality and funny. <coughs> Excuse me, I had to cough. And um, Jerry was did all the babies in radio, but one time he was working for Hal Cantor, and he couldn't do the baby cry. And Hal Cantor said, Janet, can you do a baby cry? Well, I couldn't do a baby cry. But guess what? I got rooked into it. And I did it, but I didn't compare with Jerry's. <laughs> he would get laughs. He'd do, you know, he'd do lots of things like that. And <laughs> and I, I, to this day, have old tapes of his, which I listened to to try to, to get the quality. But that was the only time I ever did a baby cry. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was listening to that, and I was just amazed. It was so realistic. Now, I also read on the Internet, and I know you can't really believe everything on the Internet, but... Your sister is a famous violinist or yes. violinist so musician? Yes, I read that on the Internet. She is Elizabeth Waldo, and she was a discovery of, um, uh, oh, my gosh. Well, Zimblist gave her free violin lessons, and she went on a world tour with a youth orchestra. Uh, Lucy, what's the name of the youth orchestra, the director of the youth orchestra that Elizabeth went on? I'm trying, I can't think of the artist's name. And he, um, she went all around the world with, with a youth orchestra. And she's a brilliant violinist, and to this day, she has a concert every month. Stokowski. Oh. It was a discovery of Stokowski. Wow. 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 She, Does she have any recordings out that we oh, could buy? Yeah. Oh, as a matter of fact... Uh, my daughter just walked in. Lucy, bring me one of, Lucy, of Elizabeth's recordings so I can give him the names. 
uh, you would enjoy her, I think. She's really a good violinist. The only thing that I think that she's made a mistake is that she records a special kind of Latin music a lot, and she um, doesn't play her violin as much as she as she should, because I think that's what everybody wants to Heartstrings is one of them, but there's Realm of the Incas, Heartstrings, but there was one that she did more violin than uh, Heartstrings, I think she did, and Land of Golden Dreams, but Heartstrings is the one that you should ask for, Elizabeth Waldo, and it's called Heartstrings, and my dear daughter just brought it to me, and um, it says Elizabeth Waldo, uh, violinist, composer, conductor. She also writes her own music. She composes... Oh, wow. She'll just... Go, well, I'm thrilled that you asked about her. Thank you. Well, yeah, uh, but I, I saw that and it piqued my interest because I, I too, I, I play piano and I, I compose some, so it's just interesting. Oh, you compose? Well, that is the most wonderful of all, you know, that you compose. That is what she enjoys more than anything, and I can't, everybody wants her to play her violin because she's great at the violin, but she loves composing, and she's traveled. She's been to China five times. She's traveled all over the world, and she picks up some of the uh, music that she hears or that she identifies with as being close to the areas that she visits. So Yes, yes I think composing is... I love composing, too. It uh, can be very satisfying. Uh, one last thing I'd like to talk about uh, you. I heard a couple years ago, I think you were up at the Birdvac convention or something, and you did a dramatization of your husband's novel, um, oh. Lost Letters of General Robert E. Lee. Yeah. That was, that was, a, that was just amazing. That's a, a wonderfully well done thing. I, I, that was, I was amazed. That's a really well written, I am so very well acted. I really enjoyed that. I have to thank you for mentioning that because that was the last thing that my dear husband wrote. And he was, his name was Robert E. Lee, and he was enamored of General Robert E. Lee and read every book, every battle, and everything about what General Lee had done. And he said that most people think of Robert E. Lee as a hero on horseback, and he wanted to talk about Robert E. Lee, the man. And uh, that was his dream to get that written, and it was my dream to perform it because I put it into, uh, my daughter helped me, and I put it into play form. And I'm so glad you liked it. Did you really like it? <laughs> oh, it, it was, it was, I, it was just amazing. I think it was an hour and a half, and usually I have a little trouble sitting and listening to something for an hour and a half, but I was just, I think, mesmerized. But it was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Well, I want to thank you especially for your call, because that means so much to me because it was the last thing he, he wrote and I I just love it myself and I'm so glad that it touched you and that it, that you liked it too. Thank you. Oh, and, and it's been an absolute joy and delight to be talking to you and uh, I just would like to say um, if you're uh, The Adventures in Odyssey, if you ever want to look for a radio station, their website, witsin.org, I think they list the whole all of the stations that play it, because I've, I've been listening to it oh, really? uh, What's the website again? for like 15 years here. It's a really great show. And what's the website again, Chad? Witsend.org. Did you get that, Walden? Say it again one more, Chad. Your cell phone broke up. Web, uh, Webson? Uh, 
I-T-S-E-N-D.org. Witsend.org. Okay. Yeah. Chad, would, Chad, would you type that out into an email for me, and then I can forward it to Janet? Oh, that was... Sure, I'll, I can do that. That'd be great. Thank, thank you. Oh, Patricia, you're wonderful. Thank you so much, and I'm so grateful to you for calling. You're you're the highlight of this day for me. <laughs> well, I thank you for letting me talk to you, and um, it's been a great delight to be talking to you, one of the youngest teenagers on radio. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and getting younger every day. <laughs> oh, do you, I wish you would do your squeal. Well, I explained. Did you hear me explaining to Patricia? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And I, I didn't get any sleep last night. I'll try it, but I, it won't be right. Oh, almost. <laughs> it didn't quite happen. <laughs> but it, 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 you, you have to be in the mood. Like so many things, you have to be in the mood. <laughs> well, thanks for trying. And maybe, maybe some other guys will talk. We'll call in and maybe get you in the mood. I don't know. Okay, well, I'm I'm going to be sure that I'm more prepared to do that. I should know that you, because everybody loves to squeal, because everybody wants to squeal, too. You know? So thank you so much for your good questions and your answers. Okay, well, thank, thank you for giving all the answers, and I uh, wish you all the best, and good night. And good luck to you with your composing. Keep doing it. Oh, I will. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to be your fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's Chad from Nebraska, everybody. You are welcome to call and talk to the wonderful talent of Janet Waldo at 714-545-207. we got to give a little applause to... Dr. Lucy Lee in the background. Oh, that's you know? But when Lucy's there, she's not on the on the phone. I know. But, but when she's there, everything lights up. You know, my daughter, you know that she's a teacher. She's a professor at USC, and she also has her doctorate. And now they, they hired her to be the head of the whole department, and uh, she doesn't like that part so much. <laughs> <laughs> because she has to keep all of the other teachers from killing each other. You know? <laughs> we'll just we'll keep that between us and the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but she's uh, she's brilliant, and she also is an actress uh, and was an actress. But she didn't like acting. Can you believe it? She well, said, "I have to structure my life." <laughs> oh. Yeah, so I thought, I well, I feel structured. You're <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I don't know, but she she really doesn't like the waiting for calls. That is not, uh, you know, and I understand that, but I don't mind. <laughs> well, that's uh, we're awfully glad you don't mind because if you did, we wouldn't have you. Well, I am so delighted to have talked to you, Patricia, and of course, always I'm happy when I talk to Walden. But you're doing a great job, you guys. And are you just about through, through with me? We are just about through, and I'm so glad Chad asked you about the lost letters of Robert E. Lee. That, that has awesome. made my day. I get, it, I, well, you can tell that I'm totally thrilled about that. It sounds like it. I have an, an, a quirky question that was not even on my list. You've mentioned several times that your husband hired you both before and after you were married. Yes. Was there any kind of friction that went on in radio when that happened? Was I mean, essentially it would be considered nepotism. Uh, only one time it happened, and I was totally shocked. Um, uh, but 
actors are very generous, loving people. And this dear old actor, Norman Field, I don't know if anybody remembers him. I do. You do? Well, Walden, he was the one who pulled me aside and said, Janet, yeah. you want to break up your marriage? Yeah. He, he did a lot of Lux Radio Theater, everybody. He looks at a lot of Lux Radio in the late 30s. He's almost did every single and one of those, yeah. The one thing about radio actors, they all were kind and indulgent of each other. They all appreciated each other. But I had worked on Railroad Hour many times, and um, and Bob and I got married, and I worked on it, and Gordon, what's his last name? Uh, uh, Gordon McRae. Uh, said, huh, nepotism. And I said, what do you mean? I've worked on this show many times before I was married, before I even knew Bob. But I felt resentful of that because I thought that was kind of mean. Mm-hmm. But um, that is the only time I've ever had anybody say nepotism. But I guess maybe it's because the only time I worked for Bob was when it was on his own show. Uh-huh. So he didn't care what anybody said. So it, it didn't make any difference. I mean, it, it, it was almost a, a crude question. In today's market, I think people would react to it. And I, I thought you were going to tell me that, no, it didn't make any difference. It was the performance that made the difference. Well, if you couldn't do the performance, then you shouldn't be on it. And, you that, be on and it. I, I admit that maybe sometimes that does happen when a, a husband will use his wife who will wreck everything up. Yeah, yeah. But um, because I had done the show many times mm-hmm. and had a reputation as a, as a good radio actor, yes. uh, I, I was sort of offended. But, um, but I loved Gordon McRae, sweet man. And uh, I think he was teasing me as much as anything. Uh, but I, I didn't take it lightly. <laughs> no. Of course well, I didn't. I, I have one more question. Are okay. we okay for one more question? For me? Yeah. Sure, but I, I, I'm really afraid. What, what does Walden think? Walden loves Janet Waldo, so I will uh, keep Walden you. Walden lets me get away with I know. Well, I, <laughs> Patricia... Janet, Patricia and I on on the air on set for eight hours, so... Oh, really? Yes. Really? Yes. We have another bunch of hours to go. Yes. So you 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 kicked off the show for it tonight. Oh, I wasn't really aware of that. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, you guys do eight hours. Uh huh. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you did have a good night's sleep last night. I got three hours. I I feel good. Three hours. I feel good. Oh. I'm with two of my favorite ladies in the whole wide world, Patricia oh. and Janet Waldo. So I. I'm I'm now. Patricia's my competitor. I, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Patricia, are, are you an actress? No. She's a writer. Oh, she's a writer? Yeah. That's that's, re- that's really even better than being an actress. <laughs> I know I because I admire so. writers so much. Oh, and my okay. daughter is a writer, so you see? You're in, Thank you you're in great shape. I, I appreciate but I've, that. I've really enjoyed meeting you, Patricia, and have fun the rest of the night. I really do have one more question, if we can sneak it in. Oh, sure, you sneaky little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know which actor or actor you would like to work with just one more time, if you could. Oh, let me think about that. Oh... I have so many. Oh, well, I, I guess I loved Irene Tedrow more than anybody in the world. She was my mother on the Corliss Archer show. Uh-huh. She was a theater actress, 
And when I lost my mother, I was so devastated. And she moved in, not in my house, but I mean, she was there for me for everything and counseled me when I would get sad. She would counsel me. She was a very spiritual person and just a dear, dear woman and a wonderful actress. But I loved her as a person and as an actress also. But I... I, I tell you that I'll give you several names of actors that that I loved and appreciated working with. Um, I loved Jean Vanderpile because she was uh, on the the Flintstones and the Jetsons. She played the robot uh, on the Jetsons, and we worked together a lot in radio. I loved her as a person and as an actress. Very versatile. She could do. She would come in and play a maid. And then she would do a French maid, uh, 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 an Italian maid, a crazy maid. You know, I mean, she would just all, she'd come in and do auditions with totally different characters every time. So for cartoons, she was a wonderful, wonderful actress. Um, uh, Let's see who else. Well, Jeanette Nolan was a brilliant actress. You remember her? Sure Mm -hmm. do. And and Lorene Tuttle. They They were the stars of radio acting. Uh, and when I first got into radio, um, uh, it was, um, oh, the guy, Big Street, what's his name, um, who hired me, said, uh, he gave me the script and he had Lorene Tuttle there. And I knew that they were auditioning me. He called me for the session, but I knew that if I didn't do it right, I would be out. And I did it, and then Lorene was all poised and ready to take over, <laughs> and I got the part. But she, she would say, she said to me, very professional, which I really appreciated. She was a wonderful lady, and um, uh, let's see, Jeanette Nolan, I loved as an actress. Radio had brilliant actors and actresses, and um, I just, I just loved them all. That's, that's the truth. I had trouble not liking somebody because I admired them for their talent and I admired them for being who they were. Does that answer your question? It sure does. Good, Patricia. You did it right out of the shoot. Janet, this has been such fun for me. Really? It really has. I, I am just so delighted. I've been looking forward to this. When Walden told me that you had agreed to um, be a guest with us. Well, I didn't oh. realize that you that you were going to give me so many questions. I would have done a little more homework. Oh, but you know, the best answers are the ones that you didn't do homework for. <laughs> I think you're right. The spontaneous stuff is usually. Yes. Janet, you are just wonderful. Would you stay on the line for just a minute sure. and uh, let us say goodnight properly? Okay. And we're going to kick off the next half hour, everybody. Starring our birthday girl, Janet Waddle, in the show that she's known for radio. Yes, yes, here calls Archer. Mmm, good. Mmm, good. That's what Campbell's soups are. Mmm, good. The makers of Campbell's soups invite you to meet Corbin Archer, starring Janet Waldo. Did you see this? Hmm? What have you got there, Corliss? It's the Saturday evening post for June 22nd. Just look at that salad. Oh, you mean the Campbell Soup advertisement? Oh, yes, and isn't it beautiful, Mr. Charbot? Mm-hmm. I mean, doing an ad about food in Technicolor just makes your mouth water. What an utterly luscious salad. 
Did you ever see anything so beautiful? Yes, I think those bowls of Campbell's soup are equally attractive, Corliss. Oh, of course, Mr. Charbot. I think soup and salad is a wonderful combination, and it follows out your idea of serving one hot dish with every cool meal, doesn't it? Yes, and no matter what type of salad you might serve, Corliss, there's a Campbell's soup to go with it to make a well-balanced summer meal. Now, for example, uh, with a fresh vegetable salad... I'd suggest uh, Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Oh, I love noodles, Mr. Charbot. And Daddy goes for cold cuts in a big way when the weather's warm. Um, what kind of soup is good with those? Well, uh, Campbell's vegetable soup and cold cuts make a first-rate summer supper for folks like your daddy, Corey. Oh, my goodness, Mr. Charbot. It seems to me that Campbell's soups can synchronize with almost any summer meal. That's right, Corliss. All summer long, Campbell's soup on your shelf is like a part-time cook in your kitchen. <laughs> It's a beautiful summer morning, and as usual, we find the archers at breakfast. Corliss, dear, don't gulp your breakfast like that. It's vacation. There's no hurry. Oh, I know, Rose, but nobody's coming by for me any minute, and I want to be ready. Daddy? Yes? If I gave you a promissory note, or whatever they're called, would you like to lend me a dollar? Oh, broke again, baby. Oh, no, Daddy, not absolutely flat, but I do need an extra dollar in the worst way. Well, Corliss, I think perhaps if you divulge the nature of this urgent need, I might consent to making you this loan. Oh, I was afraid of that. When people want to borrow money from people, I think it's very tactless of people to ask what it's for. Yes. Nevertheless, Corliss, what is it for? All right, Daddy. Have you ever heard of the Princess Zoroaster? No. She's a fortune teller. Kitty Wilcox went there last night, and she told her simply scads of positively amazing things. Kitty says she's the most perfect person she ever saw. I think you mean psychic, Corliss. Oh, okay. Psychic, then. Anyway, she's simply terrific. And Mildred and I want to consult her. She only charges a dollar. Don't you think that's very reasonable, Daddy? I think it's an absolute steal. Corliss, dear, fortune-telling is just a racket. Oh, it may be with some people, but not with Princess Zoroaster. Kitty says that she has absolutely hypnotic eyes, and she goes into a trance. Well, dear, if you want to spend your own allowance on such foolishness, I suppose there's nothing we can do to prevent it, but you're not going to float any loans either with your father or with me. But, Mom, I've only got 60 cents left. Well, that's too bad. Why don't you put it up to the Princess Zoroaster, Corliss? Maybe she'll go into a semi-trance for you. A uh, cut-rate trance. <laughs> Angel, wouldn't you like to loan me just 40 cents to make up a dollar? Oh, I'm sorry, Corliss. Personally, I'd be delighted to blow you to a complete deluxe trance, but uh, you know how Mother is. Corliss! We're in the breakfast room, Dexter! Now, please don't say anything about the Princess Zoroaster to Dexter, Daddy. Why not? Because I don't want him to know. I have my reason. Hi, everybody. Hello, Hi, Dexter. Good morning, Dexter. Well, Corliss, have you made up your mind? What about? Oh, don't give me that. You know perfectly well what I'm talking about. You said you'd give me an answer a week from Saturday, and this is it. An answer about what, Corliss? Oh, it's nothing important, Daddy. It's a personal matter between Dexter and me. There's nothing personal about it. It's a family matter, and I'm going to tell your father on account of he's practically always fair about things. That's the idea. Start off by soft-soaping him. Well, 
Listen, Mr. Archer, don't you think I'm right? Ever since I can remember, Corliss has always gone with me to the high school dance. And this year, I naturally assumed he'd come with me again. And now she tells me that Martin Wilcox asked her to go with him, and instead of telling the big jerk to go fry an egg, she told him she'd think about it, and she's still thinking about it, and I think it's lousy, don't you, Mr. Archer? Well, I certainly do, Dexter. My advice to you is to tell her to go fry an egg and take somebody else to the dance. But, gee whiz, I don't want to go with anybody else but Corliss. I'm sure that's a very heart-rendering admission, Dexter. But you're not going to give me the rush act. I'll let you know tonight. Okay, Corliss. But if you decide to go with that jerk Martin... Corliss, are you ready? Oh, golly, there's Mildred. Yes, it's that Mildred. Um, Dexter, shall I just have to go upstairs and get my hat and gloves? Well, okay, but if you decide to go with that jerk Wilcox... Dexter, please! Oh, okay. Well, he is a jerk. Corliss, why do you keep that unhappy youth in suspense? Yes, dear. You know very well you're going to the dance with him. Oh, no, I don't, Mom, honestly. Martin did ask me. And, in fact, he asked me about an hour before Dexter did. And he's a much better dancer than Dexter. And, and that's one reason why I particularly wanted to see the Princess Sorrow after. Why, does she teach dancing, too? <laughs> Please don't be funny, Daddy. I was going to consult Princess Sorrow after about who I should go to the dance with. Martin or Dexter? Kitty says that you can ask her any kind of question, no matter how intimate, and she'll make the right answer. Hey, Carlos, hurry up. We're going to miss the bus. Okay, Mildred, I'll be there in a minute. Hello, Dexter. Hi, Dexter. Hi, Carlos. Hi, Mildred. Gee whiz, I thought you girls had gone downtown. Oh, yes, but we missed the bus, and there isn't another one for nearly an hour. Do you mind if we come into your garage and watch you drifting things to pieces? No, that's all right. Sit down. Gosh, Mildred, look. Isn't he strong? I mean, look how the muscles absolutely ripple up and down his shoulders. Uh-huh. And that's really a very good pad you've got already, Dexter. And, uh... Just what do you want? Who, me? Yeah, you. Oh, isn't it ghastly, Mildred? I mean, the minute you say nice things about people, they just think you want things from them. Well, what do you want? Go on, Carlos, tell them. Well, all right, if you must know, Dexter. I'd like to borrow a dollar. What for? Never mind, Dexter. I'm perfectly willing to give you a promissory note, but I don't have to tell you what for. You do if you want the dollar. Very well, Dexter, if that's the way you feel about it, I'll just go home to my house and try to borrow it from Louise. Why don't you lend Carlos a dollar, Dexter? I mean, assuming that you've got a dollar. As it happens, I've got five dollars. Well, then don't be stingy, Dexter. Lend me one. I'll pay you back. You know I always do. I don't know anything of the sort. You've always been a very poor risk, Carlos. Very well, Dexter Franklin. Good spot. Hey, Carlos, come here. Come back. Hey, Corliss. If you only knew what she wanted that dollar for, Dexter, you'd feel like an even bigger heel than you actually are. Huh? She wanted that dollar solely for your benefit. Well, how do you mean? Well, Corliss and I are going to see Princess Zora last year. You know, the wonderful fortune teller. And the only reason Corliss wants to go is she wants to ask the princess whether she ought to go to the high school dance with you or Martin. Honestly? Absolutely. We made an appointment with her for two o'clock. Well, uh, is this uh, Princess... Uh, what's her name any good? Ah, oh, my dear boy. She's absolutely sensational. Particularly in the uh, affairs of the heart. 
George is a buck, huh? Yeah. Little Brad. What is it, Carla? Would you mind stepping out of Dexter's garage, Mildred? I'd like to talk to you, but I don't wish to contaminate myself. I oh, cut it out, Carlos. I'll lend you a buck. Oh, are you little Dexter? No. Oh, there it is. Oh, Dexter, I think you're perfectly sweet. I'll never forget it. Don't worry, I won't let you. Mildred, let's go. Oh, no hurry, Carlos. Our appointment isn't until two. I know, but if we go now, we'll have oodles of time to do some window shopping first. Okay, Carlos. So long, Dexter. Oh, yeah. Goodbye, Dexter. Yeah, so long. Yes? What is it? Uh, good morning. Uh, could I see the Princess Zoroaster, please? Uh, you have an appointment, young man. Gosh, no, I'm sorry, but it's terribly important. Could I possibly see her? I am the Princess Zoroaster. Would you please be so kindly as to step in? Your name, please? Oh, uh, Dexter Franklin. Excuse me, Your Highness, but... (laughs) Would you mind telling me whether a couple of young girls have been to see you yet today? Young girls? Yeah, they got an appointment for two, but I was afraid maybe they'd been here already. The young gentleman would please to relax as the princess has seen no young girls today. Oh, swell. Now, you wish a 50-cent reading with tea leaves, a dollar reading with a crystal, or a two-dollar special with tea leaves and crystal. Well, um, the fact is, princess, I mean, your highness, I don't really want actually what you might call a reading at all. Just what does the young man desire? Well, it's like this, see. I live next door to a girl, and... I'm crazy about her, see? It is a phenomenon with which I am very familiar. Yeah, well, um, she can't make up her mind whether to go to the high school dance with me or with another guy, see? Uh Uh-huh, go ahead. So, um, I was wondering... Yes, proceed. Whether, um, maybe if she asked you about it, I was just wondering whether maybe... If I paid you, say, uh, two bucks, you could tell her that... The Princess Zoroaster can never be bribed. No? Oh, gee whiz, that's a shame. I kind of hope... Uh, What is she like, this girl to whom you have given your heart? Well, it's kind of hard to describe, Carlos, but I'll try. She's very pretty, and uh, she weighs about, uh, oh, 105 pounds, I guess. And she has soft, dark hair and... And a very cute nose sort of turns up. That is amazing. What? I am peering into my crystal, and that is exactly how I see her. Gee whiz, honestly? And I see this exquisite creature dancing. Yes, it looks like a high school dance. Gee whiz. It is a high school dance. Gosh. I see her dancing with... With Uh, with who? She is dancing with you, young man. It is in the stars. It is safe. Well, are you sure? I am sure. Oh, well, then will you tell her that? I mean, when she comes for a reading? Well, if the young gentleman will consider our interview a special reading at two dollars, I would gladly tell the young lady what he desires, since it's already written in the planet. Okay, Your Highness, here's the two bucks. Thank you, young man. Oh, I forgot. There's one more thing. Yes? What is that? Tell her not to have anything to do with that jerk Wilcox. Say, ladies, those soup and salad suppers that Corliss and I were talking about a little while ago make mighty good sense these summer days. 
First off, they taste wonderful. And then they mean less work and a cool kitchen for mother. And they can provide the kind of nourishment busy people need, even when the weather's hot. Of course, you want the soup to be a good and hefty one, like Campbell's chicken noodle soup. It's so filled all through with a tempting taste of chicken. Why, as soon as you dip in your spoon, you know the broth has been simmered from plenty of chicken. You'll like the old-fashioned egg noodles, too, that Campbell's adds so generously. And the pieces of chicken are about ready to melt in your mouth. Mmm, good. You know, I'll bet your family would go for Campbell's chicken noodle soup at supper tomorrow, don't you? It's nearly time for the appointment Corliss and Mildred have with Princess Zoroaster, the famous clairvoyant. The two girls nervously approach their destination. Here's the house. Look. Princess Zoroaster, licensed clairvoyant. Golly, does she have to have a license? Certainly. That proves she's on the up and up. Come on, let's go. Okay. I, I'm going to keep my gloves on all the time. What for? So she won't see I haven't got any rings and won't know whether I'm married or engaged or anything. Go ahead, ring the bell. Okay. Uh, Corliss, if she's really in touch with the infinite, a pair of white cotton gloves aren't going to hide anything from her. Shh, quiet, someone's coming. Yes? Oh, good afternoon. I telephoned this morning, and we've got an appointment with the Princess Zoroaster. I am the Princess Zoroaster. Would you please be so kindly as to come in? You will not regret consulting me, little lady. Golly. Come on, Mildred. Oh, so I see for you much happiness. You are very popular with all of your friends. I see two men in my crystals, two men fighting for your favor. You are very popular with all of your friends. I see two men in my crystals, two men fighting for your favor. Golly, that's amazing. What are they like, Princess? One is a neighbor. Yes, he's freckled. He loves you very much. His name... Can you really tell his name? Shh, be quiet, my child. I hear the name echoing around the Milky Way. It's a strange name. Oh, yes, I have it. His name is Dexter. Golly, I'd never believe it. Uh, this Dexter, my child, he is your destiny. With him, you will share your life, and oh, yes, with him, you will go to a festivity. Oh. What is it like? I see it in the crystal. Ah, yes, I dance. Isn't she amazing, Mildred? Yeah. Oh, I asked her about the other man, Coral. Oh, yes, Princess. Can you tell me anything about him? I mean, could you tell me his name, for instance? The name of Dex's rival, with which you should have nothing to do, is Jerk Wilcox. <laughs> Corliss, I tell you, it's just a racket. Well, it may be a racket with some people, Mum, but not with a Princess Zoroaster. She just looked in her crystal and said that she got things through vibrations of the heavenly bodies. And I don't doubt it for a sec, either. She was an amazing-looking woman, and she had the dirtiest fingernails. <laughs> 
Does Dexter know of his good fortune yet, Corliss? No, Daddy. I haven't seen him since I got back. Well, then why keep him dangling? Yell for the unhappy youth and tell him that the planets approve of his taking you to the dance. Oh, that wouldn't be any fun. You know what I think I'll do, Daddy? What? I'll phone Dexter and tell him to come over. And I'll tell him that I went to see Princess Zoroaster. And she said I should go to the dance with Martin. And then we'll see what he says. Yeah, pull up a chair, my boy. Oh, thanks. Uh, you were kind of late coming home this evening, Corliss. What did you do all afternoon? Well, if you must know, Dexter, I, uh, I settled a problem that's been on my mind now for quite a little while. Did you, Corliss? Mm-hmm. I mean, did you decide about the dance? Dexter, do you believe in fortune tellers? Oh, boy, I'll say I do. Have you ever heard of the Princess Zoroaster? Yeah, sure. She's absolutely terrific. Well, Dexter, I'm glad you feel that way about it because I took my problem to her. You did? Mm-hmm. You mean you asked her whether you ought to go to the dance with Martin Wilcox or me? That's right. Well, Corliss, I've got a lot of faith in that woman. I've heard wonderful things about her. Whatever she says, that's what you ought to do. I'm glad you feel like that, Dexter, because she said I ought to go to the dance with Martin. Ah, very funny. <laughs> That's what she said, Dexter. Are you kidding? One does not, as a rule, kid about something that's practically almost sacred, like the revelations of the planets, Dexter. Revelations? My foot, that woman's a crook. Why? <laughs> Dexter, you you just went on record that she was positively amazing. Well, she, she's a low-down, rotten chiseler, and I'm going down there right away and try to get my two bucks back. <laughs> what two bucks? Why, Dexter, have you been consulting her, too? Well, I didn't do any consulting. I went down there this morning and... Uh... Go on, Dexter. <laughs> Nothing. Never mind. Skip it. Dexter Franklin, you may as well tell the truth. Whenever you blush like that to the roots of your silly ears, I know that you're lying, so just come clean. Oh, okay, I'll tell you. Well, Mildred told me this morning that you wanted to borrow the buck from me for a reading from this Zoroaster, and... and Go on. And she told me you had an appointment for 2 o'clock. So, after I loaned you the buck, I beat it down there, and I propositioned the old girl, and I paid her two bucks to tell you that you ought to go to this dance with me and not with Martin. Why, Dexter Franklin, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's the most unethical thing I ever heard of. Well, maybe it is, but I don't care. She swore on a stack of Bibles that she'd put in a plug for me, and I'm going down there. And if I can't get my dough back, at least I'll find out why she double-crossed me. Oh, tell him the truth, Corliss. Okay, she didn't double-cross you, Dexter. Your filthy bribe money wasn't wasted. I was just trying to be funny. She told me to go with you. Holy cow, you, you had me worried there a minute, Corliss. <laughs> well, I... I wouldn't stop worrying just yet if I were you. What do you mean? Well, if you think that I'd go to the dance with someone low enough to try and bribe a fortune teller, you're very much mistaken. Oh, I'll go, Mom. All right, dear. And if it's Mrs. Springle, tell her I haven't heard from Mrs. Saunders. Okay, Mom. Hello? Hello, Corliss. Is Dexter there? 
Yes, he is, Mrs. Franklin. Just a minute, I'll get him. No, dear, never mind. I just wanted to give him a message. Well, you tell him that Betty Cameron called, and it seems to be very important that he get in touch with her right away. Betty Cameron? Yes, dear. All right, Mrs. Franklin, I'll tell him. Thank you, dear. How's your mother? Just fine, thanks. Uh, do you want to speak to her? Not just now, dear. I'll speak to her later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Who was it, dear? Mrs. Pringle? No, Mom. It was Mrs. Franklin. No, Mom. Uh, does she want me to go home? No, Dexter. She asked me to give you a message. What's the message? Betty Cameron wants you to call her right away. Okay. Thanks. Betty Cameron. That frizzed out blonde. <laughs> What are you waiting for? Why did you call her up? There's the phone. Help yourself. Dexter, my boy, since Corliss has spurned your offer to take her to the dance, why don't you take Betty Cameron? Well, yes, go ahead. Call her up if I care. Well, uh, why should I phone? She only lives around the corner. I, I think maybe I'll stroll over. By all means do, Dexter. Don't let me detain you. Give her my kindest regards. Okay, Corliss. Well... So long. Bye, Mrs. Archer. Bye, Bye Dexter. Dexter. And if he does ask Betty, it'll certainly serve you right, my child. Oh, oh he's, he's not going to ask Betty. I know Dexter. Don't be so sure. Poor Dexter. I think that's really very touching. What? Well, you know how broke he always is, and yet he spent $2 trying to make sure you'd come to that dance with him. <laughs> he's a dope, of course, but a noble dope. Dope Daddy, he's sweet. Well, let's hope that Betty Cameron will appreciate his sweetness. It's a cinch you don't. Oh, I know. I'm a little swine. <laughs> why, why, he even loaned me the dollar to go down and have my fortune told. That's three bucks I've cost him today already. Well, I think if you hurry, Corliss, you might be able to catch up with Dexter before he gets to Betty Cameron's house. Oh, if, if he wants to go with her, far be it for me to stop him. Darling, this is no time for pride. Absolutely well. not. This is the time for speed. Oh, Daddy, I think you're right. Excuse me a minute. Hey, Dexter! Dexter! What do you want? Oh, wait a minute. I want to talk to you. What about? I, I just remembered a letter I had to mail, Dexter, and so I thought maybe we, we could walk part of the way together. Okay. Where is the letter? Ah. Uh, Oh, golly, Dexter, and I dumb? I left it at home. Well, go back and get it, then. You can't mail a letter if you haven't got it. Oh, it doesn't matter, Dexter. It was a sort of a dull letter anyway. Maybe I won't send it. Okay. Hey, don't crowd me off the sidewalk like that. I'm sorry, Dexter. I always crowd people unless I'm holding arms with people. Daddy said so a million times. Well... You can hold my arm if you want to. May I, Dexter? Oh, that's much better, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Look at the stars. Aren't they simply numerous? <laughs> yeah. There's so many of them. <laughs> what's, what's that bright one up there? Right over Wilcox's house. My dear girl, that isn't a star. That happens to be a planet. That's Venus. Golly, you know so much, Dexter. I feel so ignorant when I'm with you. Uh-huh. Well, Dexter, I guess I'd better say goodnight. What do you mean? Why? Well, this is Betty Cameron's house. Sure, I know that. Well, aren't you going in? 
Yeah, but I won't be a sec. Wait here for me. If you think I'm going to wait out here on the sidewalk while you ask Betty Cameron to go with you to the high school dance... Don't you're... be a drip. Well, aren't you going to ask her? Why, I hadn't thought of it. Well, then what are you visiting her for? I'm not visiting her, Corliss. I borrowed her fountain pen and I'm bringing it back. Honestly? Well, of course. What did you think? Oh, I don't know. Dexter, who are you going to take to the high school dance? Well, if I don't take you, Corliss, I just don't go, that's all. Well, then you're going, Dexter, because I'll come. Oh, God. <laughs> Gosh, Corliss, you sure look pretty in the moonlight. <laughs> Dexter Franklin, you can say the mushiest things. But, golly, I do like to hear you say them. Um... <laughs> 